And when the recording begins, that means the show has actually started. And when the show actually starts, do we play intro music? And since this is Surreal Politics, we will play the intro music for Surreal Politics, who's very good. It's really good music. Produced by a very talented man by the name of Scotty Jam Jam. He helped me out. Really, really like that guy. Yeah. We're going to do this, aren't we? We're really going to do it. Hard to believe. Not that hard to believe. We've done this before, you know? We do it like once a week, twice a week. Depending on who you talk to, you know? September 4th, 2023 is the current year. It's good to be with you. And if you'd really like to be with me, you can call in at 217-688-1433. And so, uh, you know, in the uh, in a constant rush of information dumped upon us by the Internet, modernity, more, modernity, modernity, uh, in modernity more broadly, it can be uh, easy to get caught up in the distractions of the day and speak endlessly about the news or whatever ultimately inconsequential fluff is fed us by the people who don't want us to make any progress. Here at Surreal Politics, we aim to rise above this, and we consider ourselves ahead of the game when we say that the results have been decidedly mixed. The news of the day is not without consequence, of course. One must be informed to be involved in discussions, and discussions are ultimately second only to physical force in terms of political importance. But it is among our aspirational goals to cut past the minutia and get down to the realpolitik, of course. It's kind of the whole idea here. In keeping with this, I spent many hours last night on what may at first glance appear a frivolous exercise. For more than 12 hours, I was arguing with subhuman intellects on a discussion forum about the merits of promoting homosexual propaganda through advertisements in the web hosting industry. Wow, does that sound esoteric or what? As one might expect from that description, most of my opponents were not up to the task. They resorted to slander or personal attacks, making inaccurate critiques of my physical fitness, and generally behaving like a bunch of poorly raised children on an unsupervised playground. So why would I get in the mud with these wretches? Have I nothing better to do with my time than to try and convince fools that they are in fact fools? What benefit could there be to enduring slanderous personal attacks all night from people who are wholly invested in their own ignorance? Well, clearly, if this is what I had done, this would be a waste of my time. Indeed, fortunately, this is not what I was doing. 
The forum in question is known as Low End Talk. It is the discussion forum for a blog called Low End Bots, and this is themed around discounted web hosting. It is a place where politics is not generally the topic of discussion. I have been a participant there for many years, and I read their newsletters with some frequency because I was in the web hosting business prior to becoming a media personality, and because I need to stay apprised of what goes on in that industry to stay ahead of deplatforming efforts and other disreputable behavior by our political opponents. You can read what I was able to save of the discussion thread on my other website, ChristopherCantwell.net, as you probably know. But the discussion, uh, the top, the contents of that discussion are not ultimately what I mean to address today. I have titled today's episode Pressure Points because this is a meaningful lesson in realpolitik, I like to think. The people I was arguing with made no effort to address the point being raised because they did not have a leg to stand on, and the real debate would not suit their agenda, of course. They understand, as well as anyone, that the transgender agenda cannot actually exist without a great deal of help. It is an extremist political movement parading as civil rights. They require the assistance of governments and corporations to inculcate their ideology into the minds of their unwitting dupes because this is not an actual thing outside of the propaganda. The culture war does not begin when the drag queen starts reading Lawn Boy to the kindergartners. It begins well prior to this, and in no place more prominently than in the advertising industry. It is a parasitic relationship between these activists and the ad industry. The activists want to tack their message onto the advertisements of businesses so as to get a free ride into the minds of their unwitting dupes. The advertisements are supposed to be selling products, but instead they are made to sell projects. This comes at the expense of the companies being manipulated by activists who parade as marketing professionals. The incident in question came at one of the more crucial intersections of our economy. This was an advertisement for web hosting. The web hosting uh, hosting is what makes the internet work, you might have heard. If you can get your message into the infrastructure of the internet, then you are functionally part of the central nervous system of society, and this has profound implications while distant from the wires and the electrical signals in the air. We saw this most prominently in 2017 and 2018. In the mass deplatforming that followed in the wake of the Unite the Right rally, the entire infrastructure of the Internet was turned to political purposes. It was absolutely and plainly and obviously against the financial interests of these companies to do this, but they did it anyway because their attentions were wholly occupied by the shrieking voices of left-wing fanatics. This occupied all of their cognitive bandwidth and filled them with the sort of anxiety that one cannot help but want to stop. And at a certain point level, the costs cease to matter. All that one can concern themselves is reducing the tension. The people responsible for making these decisions are given a very clear choice by the activists. Silence our critics and we will, make, and we will stop making you uncomfortable. Fail to do this and we will make your life a living hell. Recognizing this pattern, albeit crudely, some elements of the right have tried to replicate it. This had the predictable result of right-wingers going to prison. When the right does this, it is called harassment, stalking, and extortion. When the left does it, it is called activism. Yeah, it's just, you know, civil rights and stuff. It's beautiful. This is due in part to power dynamics. The left does these things because they have power. They do not have power because they do these things. Now, of course... They have power, and they do these things because they have power, and then that helps them maintain their grip on power. 
but they did not gain power by doing this. And it is important for you to understand that order of operations. The left can commit crimes and civil torts without fear of repercussion, and they can define the mundane behaviors of their political opponents as crimes and civil torts because they already have engaged in all of the tedium required to find themselves in positions of influence. They have sweet-talked and flattered people. They have performed favors, including those of the sexual variety. They have bribed and traded secrets and pretended to share the values of the people they are abusing. Now, they are the good guys in the minds of too many people. They are the advocates of tolerance and diversity, and anyone who opposes them is hate and bigotry. Since hate and bigotry are, they connote negative traits, it is not difficult to predict who will win out when the uninitiated are asked to choose between the two. Hello, sir, do you want to choose good or evil? This is not a difficult question. 100% of the time, people will choose good, even if they sort of know that it isn't actually good. They just want to be seen as being good because being seen as choosing bad will have social consequences and a pain response from the associated anxiety of the aforementioned shrieking. When right-wingers attempt to emulate this from outside the circles of influence, they are uniformly dismissed, if not prosecuted. They are not in a position to decide what is good or bad. They are the ones who are having these judgments rendered upon them because they do not have power. This persists regardless of who wins the prior election. The power being wielded is the power to decide what is good or bad, or perhaps more accurately, to influence the perceptions of decision makers as to what is good or bad. Once the person who decides whether or not you have internet access decides you are bad, he is eventually going to decide that he is not going to provide you with internet access. The equation for most people is simpler than most right-wing activists would like to think. They have filled their heads with complex ideological theories and views about genetics and culture with overcomplicate the picture. Are you good or bad is a whole lot simpler and it is not much more than this that you can expect from people who do not spend all day reading the sorts of things that you read. What was demonstrated very clearly in the aforementioned discussion is that the left-wing activists were the bad guys. Even people generally inclined to side with them over me noticed this and said things to the effect of you're making him look good by comparison, cut it out. The post I made was very eminently reasonable. It was well written. It was very moderate. It was not hateful. I was speaking to the interests of the people who ran the site and I was um, speaking highly of them in the, in the process. I was speaking of their talents positively and i called upon them to live up to standards that they had earned the right to have expected of them okay now i'm not i'm not going to go through this whole thread here but i i will just read this one thing to you okay so there is a lot that went on about this like i said it went on for 12 hours so i'm not going to go through the whole thing but i will read to you one the, the original forum post that I had. So the first thing that happens is I get this thing in my email inbox. And in my email inbox, it's the, the headline is there's a queer web hosting company. And I'm like, okay, well, that's like, that's left-wing propaganda. There's no, you know, there's no benefit. Like you, you nobody's creating a web hosting company based around the sexual preferences of some degenerate, right? That's, that's propaganda, Okay. And because I read this newsletter and I don't expect them to send me propaganda, I was pretty bent out of shape about it, okay? So I went over to the blog and I had commented on the blog. The comments are in the post too, but I'm not going to read that. But the blog is separate from the website. There's lowendbox.com and then there's lowendtalk.com and lowendtalk.com is the 
is the forum that's associated with Low End Box, okay? And so I, I went over to the blog and I went over to the off-topic section because there are, you know, the things categorized into, you know, are you selling web hosting? Are you buying web hosting? You know, these types of things. So I'm talking about something that's, you know, fundamentally on topic. It's the topic of the main site, but it's not part of the categorized, you know, things. And I write a post there and I title it The Folly of Identify uh, 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 Pandering to Identity Politics. And here's what I said. Recently, those of us subscribed to the Low End Box newsletter saw something quite conspicuous reach our inboxes. News of a queer neurodivergent hosting company struck many of us as odd, since it didn't seem to us that Low End Box is in the business of publishing sex propaganda from the Democrat Party. Rain Dog, he's the guy who wrote the article, he interviewed the host, uh, the, the, one of the guys from the hosting company. Raindog describes rabbit computing, rabbit, not rabid. <laughs> you know, they'd probably get HIV or whatever, but it's not rabies. Um, Raindog describes rabbit computing as, quote, a company with an interesting story and a strong vision, end quote, but no such vision is forthcoming in the article. The company has been in business for less than six months. The subject of the interview, quote, hopes to make it our day jobs, end quote, at some point in the future. The company is, in fact, so devoid of ideas that they are using their sex lives as marketing material. They spout empty political slogans about diversity as if anybody with a three-digit IQ actually believes that a team of people with nothing in common are more efficient than people who share a language and a culture. In the comments on the post, I pointed out that this would not be tolerated if I decided to announce the discriminatory hiring practices of an exclusively white heterosexual male company. For this, I was accused by one commenter of spewing, quote, unhinged Nazi conspiracy rants, end quote, and it was, in, and it was requested that I be, quote, stopped. I've been a regular reader and forum lurker with occasional input since I was deplatformed in 2017 and 2018 for daring to stand up to these criminal censors of the political left in Charlottesville, Virginia. I came here seeking hosting providers who are not in the habit of political censorship and the low-end talk community has proven a vital resource in protecting my right to tell the truth. I am very grateful for that service and I hope this site and forum continue to serve this vital role in the industry. I was not the only reader to notice that pandering to this exceedingly low denominator is beneath the dignity of low-end box, and I do hope the publishers take notice of the reaction. Anybody who is contemplating a marketing plan has to think, what do I want people to know most about my company? And if the first thing that springs to their mind is sex, you know that you're dealing with people who have no business managing your technology infrastructure. It damages the credibility of this website to promote such things, and I hope for the sake of the industry and mankind that they don't repeat this error. Now, that is obviously one of the most reasonable things ever to be produced by a keyboard, <laughs> okay? And that was troublesome indeed for left-wing activists. You might have gathered because they don't like reasonable things. Reasonable things are very, very troubling to these people. They really don't like that. Uh, let's see. Where was I moving my script in? What of me. What was very... Uh, the equation for most people, I said that... Okay. What was demonstrated very clearly in the aforementioned discussion is that the left-wing activists were bad. Even people generally inclined to side with them over me noticed it and said things to the effect of you're making him look good by comparison, cut it out. 
The post I made was very reasonable. It was very well written. It was moderate. It was not hateful. It was speaking to the interests of the people who run the platform, and I spoke positively of them and their talents, and I called on them to live up to standards they had earned through prior good behavior. The only thing the activists could do was create a haze of hysteria and attack me personally and try to have the thread removed. They ultimately succeeded in this, but not before I made some new friends. They also tried to have me banned from the forum, an effort which continues to this moment and has thus far been unsuccessful. The activists plague the low-end box for uh, the low-end talk forum because they understand this to be a place where they can wield an undue influence on society. There is no barrier to entry, so they can send their least sophisticated people there, and all they have to do is behave badly while avoiding being banned themselves. The people who run the place are responsible for deciding who gets to be on the internet, and that is a very powerful position to be in, so influencing those people is a thing worth doing. What I think was most interesting to observe about the experience, and it is not something that I had failed to anticipate entirely, but the, uh, the time in the venue caught me by surprise because this was not something I had planned, <clears throat> was that I sort of been given sort of a unique advantage in these situations by the fact that my reputation precedes me. When I went and made a very modest and respectful critique of something, the left-wing activists did not respond to the post that I was making. It's important to understand. They responded to the guy who they saw on Vice News in 2017. They made absolute fools of themselves by doing this and made me look like the adults in the room. They are very fortunate to have succeeded in having the entire thread removed because nobody who looks at that sees what they did as appropriate. Nobody. This is a success worth replicating, I would say, and I have been doing a good deal of thinking about it. It's not the sort of thing you necessarily want to plan out in the open, but finding these fulcrums where leftists exert their toxic influence, showing up, appearing reasonable, and making them discredit themselves, I'd say, is a thing that can be done on purpose. Here's some of the key takeaways I took away from the issue. Try to make a very narrow purpose of diminishing left-wing influence by causing them to discredit themselves in a venue where they are exerting outsized influence, okay? We talked about this, like, in, in episode one of Surreal Politics, we talked about narrowing your purpose, which is like, an, it's actually a pretty important thing to do. If you want to have a broad coalition of people, you want to have broad, diverse interests align, because that's the only way that political activity can occur, by the way, you, you can't say, you can't come with your 25-point program and say everybody who disagrees with any portion of my 25-point radical reformation of the government is not on board with me. You can't do that if you want to create a, 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 an alignment of diverse interests. You can't do that. It's not a serious proposal, okay? It's part of the problem with, like, extremist movements. It's like, you know, it's, it's worthwhile to have, you know, an intellectual vanguard, but those people need to be kept in check, okay? Like, you, you can't have radical extremists demanding a complete overhaul of the government and saying that, short of this, all other projects must fail. You're an enemy of the, of the perfect, you know? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good is the cliche. Well, you know, something that we've talked about on here before, and I'll reiterate it today, is that... The, the biggest problem that we have is that people believe that the left wing is misguided at best, right? Like, there are people, I think there are very few people who still believe that they're actually trying to do something worth doing, 
But most people still believe that they have their hearts in the right. Should I do this thing? You know, maybe I should. I, I, have I read this on Surreal Politics yet? Egalitarianism as a Revolt Against Nature is an article by Murray Rothbard. Maybe I'll do that before we end the show, but I'll, I'll get through this first, you know. The, the thrust of the thing is that Murray Rothbard makes the case that it was sort of the conception at the time of writing that, yes, of course, everybody should be 100% equal. It's just so unfortunate that that doesn't really work out that way. So we'll just keep on working towards total equality with the acknowledgement that we'll never get there. And that was seen as like a reasonable moral principle by a lot of people. Still is, of course. But that's actually patently ridiculous because you're trying to do something that is at odds with man and the world that he lives in then actually what you're doing is you're, you're going to do a lot of violence to humanity in the process of that. And he gave the example of, okay, like let's say that it has come to be accepted that, uh, that it is a moral good that men should be able to fly by flapping their arms. And we all understand that that's never going to happen. But what we'll do anyway is we'll run around waving our fingers at people and scolding them as moral outcasts if they don't work towards the goal of arm flying. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that, like, this is just going to cause unceasing misery for the whole population, right? And so he makes the conclusion that if your moral premise is fundamentally at odds with the nature of man and the universe, then it is a fake moral premise and not a goal worthy of pursuit, okay? And I think that if you could get that simple idea across, you know, you don't need to pursue whatever, you know, whatever whatever collection of things it is your issue. You have a problem with this group or that group. You have a you have a specific economic program that you want. All right, like fine. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. All right? Like maybe we'll get to it. I don't know about all your programs, but you know, how about this? Can we just convince the average voter that the people screaming about trans youth are actually acting with ill intent, right? That they're not misguided. They're not making a mistake. They're evil monsters who are trying to hurt people, okay? Because that's true, all right? I think most of the people who listen to the show, they know that. But that's actually the case, that there are a bunch of violent criminal deceivers who are trying to do bad things because they have malice in their hearts, okay? That is a thing that you can actually demonstrate to people with remarkable ease. That's actually not the... That's not the most difficult thing that you'll do before breakfast, okay? You'll have much more difficult bowel movements. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. But you get the idea. Go somewhere where these people are talking and simply say something reasonable and watch them lose their minds and don't get into the gutter with them and then let other people see them behave badly and see them exposed for malicious, dishonest people who care only about advancing destructive agendas. That's a very narrow, popular thing, you know. And when I started Surreal Poultry, before we even got to episode one, you know, I made this like give, send, go pitch. And I was like, all right, everything we're going to do, we're going to blame all of our problems on the Democrat Party. 
And people are like, oh, you're cucking. You're not the Democrat Party. Both parties are bad. You know, you really, you got to name these this ethnic group over here. You got to go after these guys. Well, like, okay, fine. Like, I, I, I'm not even saying that those guys have to be let off the hook, okay? Your entire political frame of reference is that the people who are trying to cut off the genitals of the kids <laughs> are the good guys and the bad guys are trying to stop them. Now, I think that you're more than capable of fixing that problem. I think that you don't even actually have to try that hard. You actually just have to do that, okay? And as a matter of fact, you don't even actually have to do it. You just have to get them to defend you just have to get them to speak in front of other people in a manner that's like not scripted. Get all of their venom pointed at you. You're good at that. You're good at that, okay? Get them to aim all of their venom at you in a place where they'll be seen doing it by people who matter, right? You know, they don't like it. You know, they love to run around attacking people in the street, right? You've seen the videos of them running around committing violent crimes it's kind of their thing you know but you'll notice that their friends in the media they're always playing that down right they have mostly peaceful protests you know there were some anti-racist activists who clashed with white supremacists you know things like this these little euphemisms that they do to cover up for their terrorism right because they don't like it when people see them as vicious, violent, dishonest criminals. They really, really don't like that. They, they really try to avoid that whole thing. You know, unless they're talking to you, right? When they talk to you, they're like, yes, I'm a monster and I'm going to get you. Right? <laughs> you know? And so the thing I think is, you know, you kind of like you get them to make the mistake of crossing that line where they're like, yeah, let me tell you how bad I am and all the bad things that I'm going to do to you because I don't like you. And you just get them to do that in front of like normal people, right? Or not even normal people, like preferably influential people, you know? Low-end box, as the name implies, I mean, it's it's discount hosting. It's not the infrastructure of the internet. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna go and get in the ear of a guy who runs Cloudflare or whatever. Okay. But there are places where you can do that sort of thing. You know what I mean? I could speculate as to other venues, but then I'm gonna like give the game away. They're already talking about this over there, by the way, right? So I published this thing saying, uh, you know, here's my thoughts on this thing that happened. And so all these Democrats who are over there, they go and they say, look, he's publishing, it's propaganda. He's over here doing propaganda. Yeah, because you're running around telling people that transgenderism is awesome. That's not propaganda. Me taking issue with you using web hosting advertisements to push your politics, that's propaganda. Me talking about it honestly you're like, wait a second, don't be honest. The whole entire point here is to lie. It's what they do, right? They're like, you weirdo, you what are you, a Nazi? Don't tell the truth. And so they go over there and they're like, it's praise. this is propaganda. So they're going to go do that, you know. So when you do this, you think about where you're going to go next. Don't go and, you know, put it on Surreal Politics or ChristopherCantwell.net. 
or my talk or my Twitter account, Talk Radio Deity. It's not Twitter. It's X. Totally different thing. One of these days, I'll fix that thing in a video. One of these days, you know. So this is what I'm getting at, all right? <clears throat> you make a very narrow purpose of diminishing left-wing influence by causing them to discredit themselves in a venue where they are exerting outside influence. Be reasonable. Do not make it about anything broader than it has to be for the venue in the moment, all right? Call them out when they change the subject. This is especially useful on forums, okay? So... <clears throat> Uh, some of you know about this, some of you maybe not, but, you know, on on forums where it's not, you know, if you're just uh, talking to Twitter, it's a friggin' free-for-all, okay? But if you go to a forum and somebody makes a topic, and then you comment on the topic and you change the subject, you can call that guy out. You'll be like, you're off topic. Like, go go do your stupid thing somewhere else. If I go and I say, hey, I don't think it's a good idea for you to send me advertisements about homosexuality, web hosting company, and then you come over and, you're, and you're like, Hitler, Nazi, Holocaust. And I'm like, hey, I'm not talking about the Holocaust, okay? You go talk about the Holocaust somewhere else, all right? I don't want to talk about the Holocaust, weirdo. If the Holocaust keeps you up at night, you hang out with weirdos, all right? And you read stupid books because there's no Holocaust going on here yet, whatever. I don't know what your thing is. So... You could call them out when they change the subject, okay? You, they try to challenge whatever it is they think your ideology is. They'll try to go all over the place with it. This is what they're trying to do with me. In the case of the low-end talk thread, like, these people send out this thing about a queer hosting company, and I'm like, hey, like, I don't think that this is a good idea. You're speaking about them in totally fictional terms. It's not actually good that they're doing this. And the activists kept trying to bait me into discussions about race and blacks and Hitlers and, and Jews. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not falling for that stupid and neither should you. Don't get sidetracked. And forums are better for this than, you know, social media because, you know, there's an expectation that you're going to be on topic. You don't want to call people names, all right? Uh, you know, <laughs> and that can be difficult to do, especially when you spot somebody, you know? When you spot somebody and you know that, like, they're, they're, you know, can be put into some category and you're like, hey, category, I know what you are. You don't want to do that, all right? Name calling is very unpopular in arguments. And if you want to look reasonable in front of other people, don't, don't call people names, all right? Don't do that. No, no name calling. You can identify behavior, you know, point out patterns of behavior that resemble pathologies, okay? But never say, you are a dot, dot, dot. They do that, and it makes them look bad. You just say, the behavior you are exhibiting is indicative of your incapacity to engage honestly because your ideas clearly do not stand up to scrutiny. So I said a lot of that the other day. Be an actual part of the community, okay? This is very important, all right? The, the reason I was in this conversation the other day, I actually... I've been over on that website for a very long time, but I actually became a, my forum account was created in 2019. I had been using that site well prior to that. I probably purchased hosting from one of their providers in 2018 at some point. But in 2019, I, I signed up for the forum because I kept on running into problems. I was like, all right, I need to go talk to a web hosting provider and it's not going to do that. I just respond to an advertisement. So I created my forum account in 2019. So what's 2023? You do the math. I can't count that high. Uh, I'm kidding. I can. Whatever. Just, I'm playing with you. I'm a funny guy, right? Why don't you guys throw shekels at me? 
Uh, so anyway, you don't you don't want to like show up. Don't create a forum account today, and then make your first post like, "Hey, you liberals are dumb, huh?" <laughs> like, if you do something like that, you really have to expect that it's not going to work out very well for you. If you try to, if like anybody who shows up, I saw a thing the other day. I I don't really know all the context of it, but these are not the most uncommon videos. But there are a bunch of like left-wing activists somewhere and they're out, you know, parading around. They're like, yeah, 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 all the communism, whatever, you know. They, I don't think they said communism, but that was functionally what it is. They're left-wingers. That's what they do. And so there was a bunch of guys came out. And they're like, hey, this is my neighborhood. Get out of here, you know. And it, uh, they would, this was all, it was non-whites that lived there, right? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're standing up against white supremacy, whatever stupid nonsense. I don't listen to their words because they're a bunch of liars anyway. But you get the idea. So like, they come out and they're like, hey, get out of here. This is our neighborhood. What are you doing baiting around here? Because they don't like it. You're not us. Get lost. You're not participating in our politics because you're not one of us. Okay? If you were to go over to Low End Talk today and and go create an account and go and be like, yeah, you guys suck. Catwell's awesome. This is not going to help me or you or anybody else. I hope that's obvious, all right? You guys are smart enough to understand that. The only reason I was able to do this is because they know who I am. I've been there for a long time, and I'm a legitimate member of a community with a legitimate interest, right? And so, like, if you have an interest— and there's a discussion forum dedicated to that interest, you might go join that today. Just go, like, create your account now and go engage in mundane discussion, okay? Uh, I'm not going to say what it is. You know, I have no idea what your interests are. I don't know. I don't know how many use forums anymore. Everything's on Facebook, and we're all banned from that because we're not, we're not a bunch of criminals, you know? And so... You know, you have to be a member of the community. I've talked to you about this before. You know, in the episode four of Radical Agenda, I titled it Persuasive. We talked about, you know, different components of persuasive, what what makes people make decisions. And it has very little to do indeed with the facts. But like one of those things is sameness. You're part of the group. And if you're not part of the group, then you don't get to tell the group about their politics. It's very important. And that's actually a very reasonable thing. Why immigration's a problem, by the way. Right? You know, you don't get to come to my country and then completely change my culture and my politics. Sorry. You're not allowed to do that because you're not us, right? Well, it actually goes for, that's the same thing when you show up on somebody's discussion forum. And you're like, hey, nice to meet you. Now let me tell you how you should think. They don't like that at all. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And I'm going to tell the less I have to, so please give us a call. Um, there's a couple of things interested in the news here, so I hope that you guys do call me because I don't want to talk about the news, but and I don't want to read the whole stupid conversation either. But uh, I'll just pull up some news here. Um, what was the thing that I was... There was something that I found that was pretty interesting over here. And uh, where is the... Yeah, of course. Apparently, uh, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky swapped out his defense minister in a wartime cabinet. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky announced his most significant wartime cabinet shakeup yet, tapping a new defense minister as Kiev rigs, r- ramps up anti-graft crackdowns and presses a grinding offensive in the country's occupied south. Wow. Why would they need to uh, ramp up an anti-graft uh, uh, crackdown? I thought this was like Winston Churchill. These guys are all great. They wouldn't be doing anything untoward, would they? Well, they're probably just getting ahead of it, right? <laughs> they're not 
they're not, you know, they're not trying to clean up a bunch of uh, really bad behavior that already occurred. They're just, you know. Excuse me, I do you just adjust my light a little bit? Like, I like to look pretty for you. Why is this? It gains all the way. Ah, dude, what the hell is that? Come on. Come on. We'll take you down one notch, and then we'll turn you up a whole bunch. We'll do that. That's probably better. And then we'll turn... I think I need to buy a new camera. I really don't like this thing. Like, all right. Anyway, sorry about that. Zelensky named Rustern Umarov, the head of Ukraine's state property fund, to replace Alexei Reznikov, who has battled allegations of graft and military procurement by subordinates on his watch. Reznikov, who has denied wrongdoing and informed the president this summer that he was overworked, shook up top positions in the ministry in February to weed out sleaze. This is from Bloomberg. Can Bloomberg be more specifically than uh, weeding out sleaze? He submitted his resignation on Monday, he said, in a post on X, formerly called Twitter. It's a whole different platform. Stop just saying it's the same thing. <clears throat> the UK government now expects him to be named as Kiev's ambassador to London, although the appointment has yet to be confirmed. According to people familiar with the situation, he wasn't personally involved in corruption and isn't under investigation, a person familiar with Ukraine's graft probe said. Now, I want to know. I'm just going to skip a hint. Yeah, here we go. Okay. I was going to ask about this. I think the ministry needs new approaches and another format of cooperation with the military and society, Zelensky said Sunday in his video address. The parliament is uh, will be asked to approve the decision this week. Zelensky has ramped up a crackdown on corruption, which may, remains a major concern for allies as they continue to pour weapons and cash into Ukraine to help it beat back Russia's invasion, retake occupied territory, and stabilize the war-ravaged economy. The president fired all the Army's top draft officers last month following the dismissal of a number of lawmakers, including from his own party. A court also ordered the detention of Igor Kolomoisky, one of Ukraine's richest men, for 60 days on suspicion of embezzlement. He has denied wrongdoing. Yeah, they're no, they've been known to do that, the Kolomoiskys, right? Oh, no! What is this, anti-Semitism? The president's Jewish, you know. Oh, it's still anti-Semitism. Reznikov's removal may help give Zelensky cover against concern that corruption is undermining the armed forces as Ukrainian soldiers fight Russia at the front. Umarov, 41, has been praised by anti-corruption activists for his efforts to clean up graft at the state property front. Well, that means he's definitely a crook, right? <clears throat> well, he's been praised by anti-corruption activists. Isn't that how Zelensky got in here in the first place? Uh, isn't this whole thing the result of Victoria Newland's 2014 coup when Kolomoisky <laughs> Nazis came in and violently overthrew the government of Viktor Yanukovych on behalf of Victoria Newland? Isn't that the way this whole thing got going underway? Okay, so you guys violently overthrew the government and you said uh, we're going to prosecute uh, we're going to prosecute Viktor Yanukovych. He was like, well, they said he's wanted for human rights abuses and stuff. 
Uh, Victor Yanukovych gets elected twice, and because he doesn't sign a trade deal with the European Union, we're going to threaten to kill him and chase him out of the country, put us in power, and we promise not to steal. <laughs> yeah, we'll just you do the thing, and then the next election, it'll be above board. You know, once we get rid of that guy, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Everything will be straight. Hey, uh, you know, the anti-corruption activists, you guys... You guys who helped us frame the the, uh, the Yanukovych guy, can you say that everything's above the board over here? Because we got a lot of money to steal, okay? And if these people get wise to what we're doing, if these Goyim know what we're doing, they're going to get really bent out of shape. And so we need the anti-corruption activists to give us, you know, the seal of approval. How much? We'll pay you or whatever. We'll give you as much money as you want. Because, you know... You got Biden over a barrel, you know? What are we going to do? He's going to give us whatever we want. We'll give it to you. We'll just split it, you know, 60-40, whatever. All right, all right, all right, 70-30, whatever you want. He's been involved in war-related talks, including about prisoner swaps and the grain deal that allowed Ukraine to export food via the Black Sea before Russia pulled out in July. A fluent Turkish speaker, or I don't care about the guy's details, whatever, screw you. You're a crook. You're all a bunch of crooks. Uh, it's just the same thing. You know, excuse me just a minute here. Let me go play, uh, you know what I gotta, you know what I really need to do is I need to go, I need to pull a bunch of clips just for, uh, just for Surreal Politics. I have all these clips from the other show and there's, you know, not all of them are... But if somebody finds that you said something insensitive 20 years ago, you'll never be heard from again. Now, how could look if, if I belong to a despised minority group, I would so vastly prefer somebody who just says something insensitive about me 20 years ago to somebody who wants to bomb me. Like, what, what am I missing here, Chris? Well, I, I think the first thing that we're missing is that this will not um, you know, expel people from the world, right? The, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that what really jams people up with this is when they backpedal and apologize, which I think is, you know, the worst thing that you can do. When somebody calls you a racist, they think the best thing you can say is, so what, now get on with your argument, you know? I, you know, people call me a racist and a sexist and a misogynist and a bigot, and I'm like, okay, now make your point, because all you did was launch an ad hominem attack at me. You haven't even refuted anything I've said. You don't win the argument by doing this. And I think if more people did that, then, you know, these, these attacks would really lose a lot of their steam. You know, me, people have been trying to run me out of the liberty movement for, for years now. And uh, I just didn't, you know, I, people laugh at me for bragging about Alexa ranks, but I just bypassed the Free State Project on toplibertarian.com. I'm actually right below you right now, Mr. Woods. Ah, well, so, how about that? Well, lucky for you, I'm too busy making Ron Paul homeschool videos to be at full octane, but, but good for I you. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> good for you, though. I, I know that if you were, if you were writing, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, less important things than, than the obviously very important work that you're doing right now, that you'd be driving a great deal more traffic. Yeah, but, but, no, but, but still, no, really no, that good is good. about seeing my name right next to yours on top libertarian. No, that that, right that is uh, that really is uh, that really is an accomplishment. And what I like about it is that nobody, to return to the privilege issue, nobody handed you a thing. To the contrary, everybody tried to take things from you. Like nobody said, "Here, everybody, here's a platform where I'm going to introduce you to this guy." Now, I I was lucky. Because I, you know, Ron Paul has promoted me to one degree or another, and I've been with the Mises Institute for a number of years, and that's been good for me. But at the same time, I'm not. Okay, we're back. 
Uh, I should have given myself a warning then. Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. If you'd like to be on the pogrom in a more, you tell that's the wrong thing. This is the surreal politics. We don't have pogroms over here. Uh, we, we uh, if you'd like to be on the program in a more, you tell the less I have to. So please give us a call. Um, the former. Oh, so this was the. That's actually what I wanted to get into. So this was funny. So, so somebody has a couple of people have asked me this. Like, why do you think they're talking about UFOs, right? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe there's UFOs. I don't know. Like, do I think it's possible that, you know, flying saucers come here? They're like, hey, take us to your leader. And then they're like, yeah, he's, he's Joe Biden. And they're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to leave now. <clears throat> you know. Or like, we'll take over or whatever is probably what they do. But I don't know. Like, okay, this like unidentified flying objects actually doesn't seem controversial to me, right? That just means there's a flying object which you can't identify, you know. And that seems okay. You don't know. That's the unidentified flying object is a lack of information. All right. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to find out that there's like uh, other forms of life that have vehicles and that those vehicles can stop by or whatever. But I thought something was pretty interesting. I read this over at Revolver today. It says, uh, former State Department official, UFO stories are a sanctioned counterintelligence technique. Now, people had speculated about this, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And I don't put nothing past these people, obviously. But here's what Revolver had to say about it, and I thought it was thought-provoking. We at Revolver generated some controversy in pointing out the absurdity of recent high-profile and heavily hyped whistleblower events featuring government officials making explosive claims with no evidence related to the existence of UFOs. It is difficult not to be puzzled by the fact that our or in our Orwellian age in which the regime will silence, financially plunder, and even indict those who dare to purvey what the regime deems conspiracy theories, the regime-controlled media is practically begging the public to entertain conspiracy theories regarding UFOs. The question is, why? Revolver's own Darren Beatty pointed out that the CIA has a history of using UFO stories to manipulate and distract the public. Back in 1997, the government admitted to lying to the American people about UFOs during the Cold War. Rather than acknowledging the existence of top-secret flights or saying nothing about them publicly, the Air Force decided to put out false cover stories, the CIA study says. For instance, unusual observations that were actually spy flights were attributed to atmospheric phenomena like ice crystals and temperature inversions. Over half of all UFO reports from the late 1950s through the 1960s were accounted for by, un, by, I'm sorry, by manned reconnaissance flights over the United States, the CIA study says. This led, Air For- this led the Air Force to making misleading and deceptive statements to the public in order to allay fears in the public and to protect an extraordinarily sensitive national security project. The study, CIA's role in study of UFOs, 1947 to uh, 1990, was written by Gerald K. Haynes and appears in the Studies of Intelligence, a secret Central Intelligence Agency journal. Five years ago, the agency began releasing unclassified versions of that journal. As we mentioned in our earlier piece, there is a fascinating documentary called Mirage Men chronicling the U.S. government's strategic use of UFO stories in order to distract the public from focusing on things that are deemed to threaten national security. A particularly intriguing documentary called uh, uh, Mirage Men 
detailed a disinformation program involving Air Force intelligence and other military intelligence officials, whereby government officials would feed false information concerning UFOs to detract detract attention from and obscure the nature of top-secret U.S. aviation programs. The documentary is fascinating enough to justify its own article, but one anecdote is particularly worthy of mention, in which the NSA beamed signals into a UFO researcher's devices and sent him messages pretending to be aliens. This individual was eventually driven to insanity and eventually suicide. Whoa! They drove the guy crazy and he killed himself. Now, look, I'm just going to say, if you're a UFO researcher, maybe, uh, maybe you know, there's a possibility that you was a little unstable to begin with. But, you know, a contributing factor, nonetheless, I'd say, is when you're off your rocker and the NSA's like, I got an idea, let's screw with him, you know? <laughs> let's screw you. Hey, look, the guy thinks that aliens are talking to him. Let's confirm his suspicions, right? <laughs> You imagine you're like, you think it's all a gag, right? You're a guy who's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this alien thing and I'm going to drive the kooks crazy, right? <laughs> you're like some con artist who's like, yeah, pay me 50 bucks. I'll send you a UFO fo- photo, boy, right? <laughs> you do that. You're like, okay, you know, my, my scam business with the UFOs going good. Then you get like messages and you're like, yeah, the aliens are here. And you're like, hey, wait a second. Ain't no aliens. They're like, no, 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 dude. Like, we're telling you. We're here and stuff. (laughs) Former State Department official Mike Benz has since posted extensive clips of the documentary, along with insightful and provocative commentary, reinforcing the notion that currently currently and historically UFO stories are the product of sanctioned counterintelligence strategy on the part of the government. A fascinating story indeed. Of course, this doesn't mean that there's nothing to any of the UFO stories reported over the years. It does mean that we should meet such extraordinary claims with commensurate demands for extraordinary evidence. And we should be particularly wary when a sociopath censorious regime hell-bent on punishing so-called conspiracy theories has found seemingly safe conspiracy theories regarding UFOs that it is desperate to shove in our faces. Now, that's really the thing, okay? Because when the guy, the, the guy called into the show, we talked about this. And the thing I said to the caller was like, well, like the government would totally lie to us if they were UFOs, right? Like the aliens came down here and were like, hey, uh, you know, we want to, uh, we want to like sniff your wife's panties or whatever like weird thing they got going on. Uh, we'll give you weapons, right? We'll give you the, you know, that you guys do that oil thing, whatever. We got like the nuclear thing that you keep in your pocket. It's all, you'll be all set. You know, whatever it is, they're going to trade, you know. There was that, uh, what's the thing? Faces in the well or whatever, that critical race theory thing when, you know, the members of the one ethnic group, they go away. And then they, and then the people who are left behind, they get everything. And they're like, yeah, take them, get, just get them out of here, right? And so, <laughs> whatever the arrangement is, right? They would lie to us about this. And I have no doubt about that. And so, you know. The idea that we're finding out now that we were lied to before about UFOs, that's a plausible theory if I've ever heard of one, right? But the thing is that, okay, these people are like, everything that causes you to have any suspicion of the government doesn't matter how true it is, right? What was the thing they had, 
I forget when they started using the term malinformation. It was right around the tar- time that the Jankowicz thing. She comes out and she's Mary Poppins. She's Scary Poppins. Disinformation laundering is really quite a trope. This thing, you know what I'm talking about. I'll do the whole song. You want me to do this whole song? You guys throw shekels at me on uh, honesty or whatever. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it. I can't much, baby. I'm not going to do the Mary Poppins bit. But you get the idea. They came out with this term and they're like, malinformation was the thing, right? Miss dis and malinformation. That was the catchphrase on NPR and CNN and all these stupid outfits, right? Miss dis and malinformation. So misinformation is when they're just telling you stuff that's wrong. Maybe they know, maybe they don't. It's just you, you got incorrect information, right? So when you find out that Hunter Biden's a crackhead who left a laptop full of pornography at the laptop store, in order to deceive you, they tell you that that's misinformation, right? So just to put it in a frame of reference. And they're not admitting this on NPR, obviously, but you get the idea. And then there's disinformation, okay? So when disinformation is when they're intentionally lying to you in order to gain an outcome. So when they want you to vote for Joe Biden and they tell you that Hunter Biden's not a crackhead degenerate who left his laptop at the store full of evidence of crimes, that's disinformation. Now, of course, that's not the way that NPR and CNN talk about it, but you get the idea. Because we're going to tell you the truth because we're not a bunch of crooks. So that's disinformation. They're lying on purpose. And then there's malinformation, (laughs) which is true, you know, obviously, right? So when I tell you that Hunter Biden's a crackhead who got us into World War III because he's a, you know, because he's a criminal, so that's true, right? But that's considered malinformation because it's really inconvenient for you to think that they would do that to you, right? They don't like that. That's called malinformation. And so there's mis, dis, and malinformation. And uh, and they don't want you to talk about anything other than Joe Biden's great is kind of the whole entire point of the theme here, okay? You're allowed to say Joe Biden's great, and you're allowed to say, well, maybe I'd prefer Kamala Harris. Those are basically the range of allowable opinion. You are not allowed to say that the Democratic Party's a bunch of pedophiles, okay? Because that's true, and you're not allowed to tell the truth. You're not allowed to say that Hunter Biden's a crackhead and that they're getting us into World War III so that he could smoke crack and bank prostitutes. That's the truth. That's malinformation. You're not allowed to do that, okay? But for some reason, we're doing this this whole entire thing of UFOs, which is what else could drive paranoia more than the government's, you know, lying to you about aliens? And they don't mind that. Not only do they not mind that, they're going to have hearings about it in Congress. Joe Biden's not going to be bent out of shape. I'm on the air, dude. It's amazing. Anyway. (laughs) I can't believe things sometimes. So yeah, whatever. There's UFOs. They're raping the girls, whatever, and they're gonna. That's that's what it is. They're gonna do the UFO abductions and the anal probes, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, it's it, it was the aliens did that." That's what I think the whole thing is. Now they're not talking about this. Okay, so I got an idea. What are you telling me 
So some guys on Twitter are doing a thing. All right. Do you want me to what this is a this is a Twitter space. You want me to rebroadcast the guy's Twitter space? Like I know that calls are slow at the moment. You want to call in? Fine. You want to give me a link to a Twitter space while I'm on here? What are you hell doing, guy? Anyway, Jesus Christ. I should just I shouldn't share that with the audience, but I'm a little bit annoyed with somebody who helps me, so never mind. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And the more you told, the less I have to, so please give us a call. And if you don't, then I'll just end the show because, you know, we do that sometimes. As a matter of fact, I'll just end it. You guys don't want to talk, I'll just end the show. It's been an hour. So, look, we do this every Monday. Uh, we do it at 930, and uh, those of you who show up at 1030, you might miss the thing because if nobody calls in, then I just call it a night. Uh, and we'll be back Wednesday for the member show. If you pay me, then you could do this. You know, I, I got I do have some super chats. I should read those before I go and cut the cut you guys off. So I got an idea. How about I how about I ban you because you're a jack off? How do I do this? Ban you on Goyam TV, and then I'll never see you again because you suck. There you go. Get rid of you because you actually so like this guy. He's on a Goyam TV. And he's got a picture that's like the, uh, it's an unflattering caricature of a Jew. But it's not, I don't think it's, I think it's actually a picture of him is the problem. So I banned him because he deserves to be banned. And, um, oh, see, now you guys are like, oh, you know, you wait until the last minute and then, and then you call in. Fine timing, friend. What's up? Hi, Chris. Yeah. Hi. Um, sorry, you said you were ending the show. So um, I just wanted to talk to you about uh, Ann Coulter about in 2017 she had this idea contract with Republicans. Um, I don't know if you remember, there used to be a, uh, a Grover Norquist, I think it was, who had a, a contract where no Republican could uh, go for more taxes, so they all had to sign a pledge. The, the contract with America was... Or was this another thing? No, that was in uh, 1993 or 1994 with Newt. Um, okay. The Grover Norquist thing was uh, you can't have new taxes and be a Republican. So everyone had to sign this thing, and it was very popular, and it was almost universally abided by. And then uh, in 2017, when Ann Coulter saw that Trump wasn't getting very much done, she was like, well, we need all all Republicans to sign a contract. If you Google Ann Coulter contract with Re- Republicans, you'll find the article. And um, it's, a, it's, it's basically saying, like earlier in this show, you were talking about, well, you can't have a 25-point program, and I agree with that. But you, you can have some sort of agreement on the basics, and it would be better if, you know, we could get popular support behind, okay, here are three things we can all agree on that need to be done by the Republicans and that every Republican needs to support or else, because I see people like you that are like, well, you have to support the Republican Party, there's nobody else, and you see people like TRS that are saying, no, you need a whole new party. Well, to me, it has to be something in between. You have to have, okay, if you do this, we will support you. If you don't do this, we won't. And then you have some leverage, some kind of power, even though you're not in power. Well, here's the thing. And- One second. So, like, the, the thing is, the consequence for not doing the thing that you're supposed to do in the party is you have a primary challenger, right? So, like, there's a mechanism for that. And, and when these guys, you know, 
I don't listen to TRS. I don't know the things they say. I'm not in a position to critique them. This is not against them. When I see people pretend that they don't understand the primary process, I get very irritated because I think most of them actually understand it. I, I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that you're doing that. But it's like, you know, there is a consequence in within the partisan system for behaving against the interests of the of the primary voter. You know, you just have to show up on primary day and pay attention to politics before, you know, November. That's the only thing. But is, is that process working? And to me, if you had a contract, it would be something that would be very popular with the primary voter that was seeking to overthrow these people. And these people are just totally ignoring the will of the average conservative voter. But the, you have to understand something about like a political doing. contract, right? So the political contract is, is actually not a contract. There's actually no enforcement mechanism for this. The consequence of disobeying the contract is you get a primary challenger in the next election, right? And we back your primary challenger. It's not, okay, we're going to form a third party, okay? Like, you're not going to hear Ann Coulter say that, I promise you. Or, or I, I shouldn't promise you that. I understand she's really upset and she's a woman and she might say crazy things sometimes. But I think that you're unlikely to see that happen because there's absolutely no benefit to the democrats running the congress right like this is the i i like the idea that this is lost on people really i find very amusing you don't like the, what the republican did fine okay there's a way to remove the republican without helping the democrats it's called the primary process you ask me if it's working and i ask you how much effort you put into that process and if it didn't work and you did nothing then you have the answer to why it didn't work and so like the idea that well what we'll do is We'll help the Democrat Party by whether it's actually outright helping the Democrats or whether it's by running independent candidates who can only have the effect of helping the Democrats. The, they are functionally the, the same outcome. <clears throat> Do you think that bad Republicans care if that happens? <laughs> like, like Mitch McConnell would much rather the Democrats be in power than he not be in control of the party, right? So like that's the whole that's the whole bit, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't suffer if the Republican Party loses. As long as he gets to have his position in the party, that's all that matters to Mitch McConnell. So the way that you do that is you put a primary challenger to Mitch McConnell, which seems like a great time to do that because he's just like freezing up in public. He's just like standing there and he, he turns into Joe Biden. He makes Joe Biden look spry, right? And so like maybe you go send somebody down there who can finish a sentence without having a stroke. And you say, I'm going to replace Mitch McConnell. And I think that maybe that might not be the craziest thing to do, right? I agree with everything you said, but like when time is at an uh, we're short of time. And to me, the best way to replace these people is to get them to say, no, I won't sign this contract. Or you can get them. All I'm saying is that the, the, the enforcement mechanism of the contract is to put a primary challenger, right? Because... Like the contract, are, are you under the impression that the contract is enforceable in a court? Because, because that's not actually not true. Not at all. Right. Okay, good. So like no. the contract I'm, is I'm, sign I'm, this thing that says that you promise that you'll do this thing. And that's a political promise which have been known to be broken. And the consequence of not doing what you say in the contract is a bunch of people will make a decision when the next election comes around, right? Is that your understanding of it? I'm just 
saying, like, the contract with America was very important because everyone got behind it, because it was things people almost universally agreed with, and because the party didn't dare to go against it because they knew that their political careers would be over if they did. And we need to do something like that, like quick, because we don't, the demographics, we don't have time to, to, to wait around for primary challengers for Mitch McConnell, which will never materialize. Well, hang on a second. So I, I, I'm all for telling, I'm all for getting politicians to make promises. I'm just trying to be realistic about what the effect of political promises are and what the consequences are for violating them, okay? So you say that we don't have time to find a primary challenger for Mitch McConnell. Well, I'll tell you something that you may or may not know is that you're a lot more likely to find a a prompt and suitable replacement for Mitch McConnell in a Republican primary than you are to start another political party that will replace the Republicans. You know that one of these things is less time-consuming than the other, right? I... You seem to think I'm calling from TRS. I'm not TRS. I'm not uh, the National Justice Party. I'm, I don't have that agenda at well, all. I'm just trying. I, I'm sorry. I, if I've misunderstood your position, I don't mean to strawman you. So, but what you, but what you said to me is we don't have time to find a primary challenger for Mitch McConnell because time is of the essence. I'm saying that. Yes. Like okay, I, I'm, I'm all for getting things done faster than the next Republican primary. If there's an opportunity to do that, great. What, what I, all I mean to say is that I don't know what what is your conception of what because my understanding of the contract of what you speak is do this thing in order to earn my political support or you will not have it and the and the way that you determine whether you have the political support or not is in the primary process that is my understanding of it and if you have a different conception of it I am interested to hear you articulate it. Well, it's true that they can lie and say that they they sign the contract and then revoke. But, you know, we've got, what, a, a year and less than a year and a half before the next election. We want to know what they're going to deliver after the next election. And unless we actually hold them to a standard like they can do anything and say this is what we said we were going to do all mm-hmm. along, um, it's too late to field new primary candidates for this election cycle. And I would love it if, like, a, a contract with America or, or a contract. What I'd ask you to do is just Google contract with Republicans and Coulter, read what she had to say. She says it better than I could. And, and, uh, but this isn't about supporting the National Justice Party, which isn't fielding any candidates. And it isn't, it, it's too late in this cycle to field new uh, opponents for, for the current crop anyway. So I, I'm not about that. But I am about saying you don't give the current politicians a blank check and say, you know, uh, you're, the, you're better than the Democrats, so I'm going to vote for you no matter what you do. Because that got us where we are now. No, what got us where we are now is that when I got out of prison in December and started saying everybody needs to work in the Republican Party, they didn't. And now there's not primary challengers, and now we're where we are, Right. And now, I'm not saying that everybody just needs to follow my instructions, okay? But this is actually not a particularly innovative concept, all right, is what I'm getting at. So, like, the reason that we don't have primary challengers is because people didn't do it before. And when we're saying, like, oh, well, now that we didn't do the thing, now we don't have options, and now we need a contract with the Republicans. Now, I'm I'm not against the contract, all right? 
But the thing is that what you're what you're saying is, well, if you don't do this, then we what, it seems to me you're saying that we won't vote for you. If you don't sign the contract, then you won't have our support. Is that is that the premise of your argument? Yes. <clears throat> okay. And so the Republican, whether you mean it or not, whether, it, okay. it, you threaten it, whether you mean it or not. You might go to the polls and, and, and plug your nose and do it anyway on a personal basis. But if, if, you don't, if you don't threaten anything, then you have no leverage at all. And they're just going to do what their donors want. Well, you do have leverage. You have, you have the primary process. <laughs> and so, like, you say that we don't have time for a primary challenge. Okay. So let's just say, all right, then uh, such and such candidate, whoever the Republican is, generic Republican A in this given congressional district, says, hey, look. I'll lose the election if I sign that thing because I live in a district that's not 100% Republican. And you say, well, then I guess I'm not going to vote for you. And so when the when the Republican Party goes into the House of Representatives, there's going to be they're going to start counting, right? They're going to count how many Republicans there are and they're going to count how many Democrats there are and they're going to elect somebody called the Speaker of the House. And depending on who has more seats in the House, that party will or will not be able to pass legislation, which means that there is absolutely no benefit to you in having a Democrat in a Republican seat. You understand that, right? I do. Okay. And so I'm all for like trying to get people to sign the contract. <clears throat> I'm not I'm not counter signaling it. I haven't even read the thing, but okay, fine. Like get politicians to make campaign promises. Sounds routine enough to me. Uh, and if they're better campaign promises than usual, then fantastic. And if they don't follow through on the campaign promises, then we can call them scumbags. And I'm all for doing that. That's a lot of fun, actually. And so I don't like the idea that, okay, we're going to publicly say that we're not going to support you, even if we might just go to the polls and, 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 and hold our nose and do it anyway. Because the whole entire point of the exercise before Election Day is to influence the behavior of other voters, okay? And so we're not going to be like, oh, well, you suck, and I'm not voting for you, and you're going to lose the election, and it's all because you didn't sign this thing, and then secretly I go in and I pull the lever. No, no, no. What has to happen is the whole country has to think, oh, my God, the world's going to end if the Republican Party doesn't take control of the Congress. That's the way that the, that's why you get your party to take control of the government, right? And then, then your party is in control, and then they get to pass legislation, and the other side doesn't, right? yep it's a partisan process it, like nobody has to like that I, don't, I understand that people you know understandably have problems with it so i think the contract is great i'll go look i'll google it i'll i'll read the contract and i'll see you know i i something tells me that if ann Coulter's behind it that i'm not going to be like oh well this is cucky you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything better you know but uh it seems to me that <clears throat> people have to understand that people have to understand the hard reality that you're either going to elect Republicans or you're going to elect Democrats, and one of these things is better than the other one. And 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 if there are people who are uncertain of which of the two are, then they they probably have to pay more close attention to what's going on. And so, like, the idea that you're going to be like, okay, sign this thing, and if not, then we'll give it to the Democrats. It's not that. That guy's not the one who's going to suffer. It's going to be you. You know, that's my, that's my thinking on it in any case. Well, I just like to think that you know, if you're if you're living in Maine, you're like, well, you know, this. You're living in a swing district. You're like, okay, I've got to cut this guy some slack. But if you're living in a in what should be a safe Republican seat, these people should be, you know, 
chomping at the bit to to sign this thing. But I, I I'm glad you're going to look at it, and I don't want to uh, turn you against it by anything I might say. I don't. I also want to talk about. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just want to say, I, I if I'm uh, my uh, I'm not. I, I if if I sound hostile to you, I'm not, sir. I'm just you know uh, talking about politics for the radio. I just want to be clear. Go ahead. Biggest Let's, fan, Chris. Don't worry about anything you might say that might hurt my feelings. Good. You're a big boy. Okay. What was the other thing you said you want to talk about? Uh, there's a million person march coming up here in Canada. I'm here in Ottawa, and uh, it's Muslim led, but it's against the whole transgender thing. It's September 20th. And I encourage any of your listeners who are in Canada, or maybe something can get started in the U.S., but um, there was a guy, Billboard Chris, a different Chris, who uh, who did a thing in Ottawa here where he went to the school board and there was hundreds of people there protesting against uh, forcing this uh, ideology on our kids. And it was very successful, and hopefully this thing on September 20th will be even bigger. So... Um, I encourage your listeners to uh, to look into that. I wish they had called it the the Million Man and Woman March or something. It, like if you're marching against transgenderism and you say the Million Person March, you know it, what comes to my mind when you say that is pregnant people. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you should be like, very good point. We're I, gonna have a million men and women come down here. There's not gonna be any other type of human being, and we don't want to hear about your BS. <laughs> I wish they had called it the Million Man March, but I know how that would have. No, played, we don't want to so do that. They, had to do they that. tried that; it was a disaster. No. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Um, you know, and so uh, we're, we're going to do the Million Gender Binary March uh, up in there in uh, Kanadistan. And so the Muslims are doing this. You said. Yes, it's organized by Muslims, and I think it'll mostly be attended by Muslims. But um, yeah, that, there were a lot of them there when Billboard Chris did his thing. Uh, there was a, a, a kid there who had been kicked out of his Catholic school because he uh, he um, he said there's only you know there's two genders and he tried to keep the 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 the, the men out of his out of the women's restrooms and he, he got expelled from school and so he was a, a, a big um, person there. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm nervous so I can't remember his name offhand, but sorry, um, look into that. Um, Another thing I want to talk about was James Fields' commissary. You said they've confiscated it all. Is that true? And I, I did was not just say curious that. how important. So, did I not hear that on your show? Um, you may have heard. Uh, something tells me you didn't hear anything of the sort here, but maybe I'm incorrect. But you certainly didn't hear that they're taking all of it. My understanding is that he has a like a um, restitution to pay. And it's a routine thing. It's not unusual that if you have fines or restitutions or court fees, that these things are deducted from your commissary account as a as a percentage of some sort. Now I don't know what the percentage is. I, I knew that he had he had made a motion with the court to have the percentage reduced, is my understanding of it. That's the last I heard about the subject of James Fields's commissary being taken from him. It it was never it never is, to the best of my understanding. <clears throat> um it's not my understanding that you ever have a situation where in the in the federal prison system anyway um that they take 100 percent of your commissary because that would obviously result in a situation where you don't have any when you're when you're in the position that james fields is in anyway right um right they they come and they take a they take a piece of it now 
you know, that's, un- you know, that's a really, it's a burdensome thing, no doubt, because, you know, I think that most of his money probably comes from his mother, and I don't think that she's very rich. And so, you know, I, I, my last I checked, he was in a, uh, I don't know where he is. Uh, I actually, I, I saw it recently, what facility he's at, but my understanding is that he might be in like a, a medical facility is my, is the last I heard. And so I'm not sure that he even has like a prison job. And so, you know, to take, you know, the money that his mother sends him is, is kind of a thing. And so my understanding was that he had filed a motion with the court to reduce the amount that they were taking was the last I heard about this. <clears throat> okay. Well, that's reassuring because I'm, I'm sorry. I think it was you that led me to believe that he wasn't getting any because they, the, the, uh, our enemies had, 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 uh, garnished it all. Or well, I'm very happy for the opportunity so. to clear that up. I'm, I'm sorry if I, uh, if I have uh, if I have given people that impression, I I am very grateful to you for giving the opportunity to clear that up. Uh, my understanding of it is 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 not that is that it's not that like I'm trying to think. You know, when I was in New York, you know, in New York in a county jail, I think that you can have like a negative commissary balance, and and you don't get above and and any money that goes in just gets you closer to zero. I mean that that happened in a county jail in New York. Right. I saw people in that position. In the federal system, all, I, what I understand is that. You'll see your commissary statement, and it's like, you know, here's money came in, here's money you spent, here's the money that we're taking for the thing. That's my understanding of it. Because I, I want to say my recollection is you said something almost discouraging people from donating to it because, you know, if it's all going to these people, of course we I, don't want I, to donate you, you to You had it. to have heard that somewhere else. I, I, I know okay. that I've never discouraged people from, from sending money to James Fields. On the show, I might have okay. shared an article talking about the the deductions. It seems to me maybe I I have a recollection of seeing something on social media about James Fields' commissary. That's why I have this idea of it in my head. I'm certain I've never told anybody not to save James Fields' money. If you heard that somewhere, you heard that somewhere else. Um, that I know. I definitely okay. haven't done that. Um, so uh, I'm glad for the opportunity to clear it up in any case. But um, I don't know what the percentage is. The the, the as I said, you know. Our, I've already repeated it a couple times. So that's the situation with that. They're taking some of the money, not all of it. If anybody wants to send James Fields money, I don't have the information right here in front of me. But if you search the web, if you search DuckDuckGo, because, you know, you don't want to use Google because you're not stupid. You use DuckDuckGo, not that it's so much better, but at least it's not Google. Uh, and you search for a federal inmate locator <clears throat> and you put in whatever you know about James Fields. He's a white male. His name is James Alex Fields. Um, that information will lead you to the James Alex Fields. You'll see that he's never getting out of prison. It tells you his release date is life. Um, and then you'll know that you got the right guy. And it'll tell you, you can find the information on the federal website about how to uh, to get it to it. But you suspect they're taking less than half of what one would donate, or you have no idea? <laughs> I, or... I, I literally don't know what the number is. I, I'm going to guess that it's less than half. I'm going to guess it was less than okay. half before he made a motion with the court. And I have no idea what the outcome of the motion with the court was, but I know that they were moving to have the amount reduced, and um, I don't, I don't have the information handy. So, okay. Uh, the last thing I, you might want to not want to talk about this, but your beef with with Anglin and Weave, Ang- Andrew Anglin, uh, his website has been one of the, you know, best sources of information I've ever had. I'm a huge fan of you, and I I have a hard time sort of reconciling. Like, do you think Anglin is a Fed, or do you think he's really working against us this whole time? 
Do you think he just has a blind spot where Weave is concerned, or would you rather not address that question? So I don't mind, you know, what I want to say before I say this is I have been conspicuously disinclined to argue with other white nationalists, okay? But I will say that despite this fact, I am as certain as I've ever been about anything that Anglin is a is a malicious actor whose purpose is to cause trouble for the people he purports to help. Okay, so like, and and he does this by being very entertaining. Like he's a very talented guy. I can't deny him that. You know, I'm not a liar. But the idea that he's the best source of information, I think, is kind of comical. I mean, it's it's a great source of entertainment. I, I don't I won't deny that. But like the idea that you you'd go to the Daily Stormer to be better informed is is you know is is bizarre to me. I'll I'll put it that way. So um, a- Andrew Anglin is a guy who will go and give you um, the you know a a bit of information that is true in order to bolster his malicious activity is a common feature actually right. So like you know as a matter of fact. Um, guy, uh, he was a, a statesman in Germany back in the twenties and thirties. He wrote a book all about this. That, like, you know, there's this group of people, like, they swindle you by, you know, any whatever truth they tell you is just to further another deception. And so, you know, they, you know, it seems to me that the Daily Stormer, Stormer emulates that behavior very well, and they do it in a very creative and, uh, you know, very. Uh, artistically well-presented sense. They're, they're very good at what they do. But, you know, you think about, you know, narrative-wise what the Daily Summer has done. They say, okay, look, we're, we're an ethnocentric movement and we're trying to benefit our ethnic group, which is why we keep on trying to divide them along gender and generational and class lines, okay? Like, any, you don't have to, like aspire to be jesus christ to understand that that's ridiculous all you have to do is read adolf hitler to know that that's not a good idea you know the idea that you're going to go and create create gender hostility in an ethnocentric movement is preposterous the idea that you're going to you know this this attacking boomers and all of this stuff whatever like creating generational conflict you can't do that in an ethnocentric movement you you can't go and have class conflict in an ethnocentric movement you have every purpose all of the enterprise is supposed to be to smooth those things over so that you can come together around the ethnocentrism and and if you're and if you're saying that women are evil white women in particular right he's literally said white women are evil and and if you're you know attacking people on the basis of their class and you're attacking people on generational lines like that is transparently not what an ethnocentric movement leader would do Okay. I like I've come to believe all that stuff. I like I've quarreled with Jim Goat about boomers and, you know, how he's always quick to defend them and I'm like well the boomer de- uh, generation basically destroyed everything. And but well, it, I, it, I, it, I hear what you're saying, but, but do you really think it, you can recruit a boomer at this point? You can well recruit is a strong word, I'd say. There's a spectrum of allies and opponents, okay? And you want to try to move people closer to the ally category, okay? You have, you know, violent active opposition. You have nonviolent active opposition. You have passive opposition. You have neutrals. You have, you know, passive allies. You have active allies. And then you have violently active allies, right? 
you know, along this spectrum, you want to move people out of the, the, the violent opposition category and, you know, get them as far along as you can, right? So if somebody's like, you know, you know, they've been, they've got a, their entire frame of reference is that what you're advocating is Nazism and Nazis are the national enemy. Like, it's actually your responsibility to work within that context to change that guy's frame of reference. That's your entire purpose of your political activity. His, his, his purpose is not yours. And so if you want to change that guy's purpose, then, you know, it's on you to do it. And so the idea that you just go and declare members of your ethnic group the the enemy, like, you know, I mean, it's fine to have like a criticism or whatever. You say like, okay, you know, you, you, what the the phrase that you use is that they you know sold us out or whatever. Okay, fine, they did. Great. Okay, now what? Like, what are you going to do now? Do you want do you want them to go vote Democrat or something? Like, like what you actually want to do is make them not your political enemy. And so, how do you go about doing that? And I'm happy to entertain any number of ways of doing that i'm actually not you know positing a, a, a prescription here what i'm saying is that the the whole entire point of the project is to smooth out that conflict and if you're stoking it and making it worse then you know i don't know what i don't know what you think you're going to accomplish by that mm. uh, i i think the idea is bullying might work but i i can't of course speak for but I mean, do you think that do you think that there's a great deal of evidence for that working? Like, you know, I sort of went into this at the beginning of the thing that, you know, leftists get to bully people, right? Like the leftists have power. And so they get to bully people. And, you know, when right wingers so much as, you know, make nasty phone calls, they go to prison. Right. So, you know, it doesn't seem to me that you're in a position to bully people because you have no power. <laughs> mm. you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to make fun of you on the Internet. And somebody's like, you're a Nazi. Shut up. And then they win the argument. That's what goes on now. So, you know, why? Like, I think the idea is, you know, if you're in, if you're the underdog, you know, you have to make yourself more desirable, not less. Is kind of my idea of it. And I mean, you know, I mean, you know, boomers is one thing. But I mean, I, can, can we agree that, you know, just calling women evil is probably counterproductive? Can we can we get on board with that? I, I wish I could. <laughs> I really do. Um, you think women I, are I evil? Think they're so broken. I, I think they're broken. I wouldn't say evil. I think they're broken. I think they're 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 the stormtroopers for the uh, for the woke left. Wow. And that that you know reasoning with them reasoning with a woman never worked. I guess you could try to placate them and pretend that you know you know yes dear them but i also <laughs> think you know young men need to be told that they don't need to be like simping and and that 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 women are like young men want to pursue women and they need to be told these women are are there's something fundamentally wrong with them and i don't know what the answer is but i i um i yeah sorry right. go ahead no, it's all right. Uh, you know, I um, look. What's interesting to me about that, you know, this line of discussion is that I was sort of brought. I I, I was, I I lurched rightward sort of as a consequence of the whole anti-feminism thing, right? Uh, you know, I was I was involved with libertarians, and I was like, these feminists are like ruining everything. You people are awful, you know. And so, I was really mad. I think I I got into the whole like overreaction to feminism thing. And I, I thought white Sharia was very funny. And, 
you know, and there's enough truth to it that that you can that you can rationally defend it. <clears throat> but the thing is this, like, you know, what what became obvious to me was, you know, just, you know, you're thinking about trying to, like, influence people's thinking. Like, your enemy is not going to listen to you. Like, your enemy doesn't give a shit about what you think. Whoa, I'm sorry about surreal politics. I'm sorry about that. Sorry for the S. <clears throat> you know, the, your enemy is not influenced by your views except insofar as he, you know, wants to oppose them, right? And so if you want to change people's opinions, the way that you do that is you say, hey, you know, as a member of your group, as a member of your team, uh, I think the best course for us would be X, Y, and Z. And that seems to me the, the more effective way of influencing people. I, like the idea that you say, hey, you're evil and I hate you and you're broken and beyond repair seems to me like not, you know, that's, a, that's not very, that's not, that's not persuasive to most people. And so I, I think that the, the thing to do is say, hey, you know, like I, I do this on my Telegram channel now that I post, you know, trad memes or whatever. And I, I post them in a context. It's I don't post things that are like, yeah, shut up, whore. Like my, the things that I'm posting are like, oh, wow, aren't women so great in the roles that I'm posting them? Right. And, you know, I think that that's persuasive. Like you say, oh, I love women. And this is what I this is what I love about them. You know, don't, hey, sweetheart, you see this beauty over here. You see how all this great attention goes to this woman over here. Wouldn't you love to have all that nice attention? You know, that's my that's my conception of it. Fair. Yeah. All right, that's all I've got, Chris. Thank, Thank you very you much for the call, call, my friend. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And I want you to talk the last I have to, so please do give us a call. Caller, you're on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you, friend? Hey, Chris. It has uh, been a few years. I mean, I, I actually have not spoken to you since... Um, uh, since you've been released from prison, so welcome back, <laughs> and, and I know it's been a moment. Exactly, it, it, it's crazy to think because I remember calling you on the radical agenda back in college and everything, and it's it, it just it's awesome. So I, I guess I'll just um, you know real quick. Uh, you, you, you're talking about the ladies. I don't assume it ever worked with El Reeve, did it? Like I used to ask you back in the day. Well, you know, L. Reeves, I'd say, a special case, right? I mean, L. Reeve was uh, uh, either married or engaged to a Jewish man. She was a, you know, professional activist parading as a journalist. And, you know, uh, she used to, uh, you know, I, I, you're never sure if she's tilting her head sideways and trying to flirt with you or if she's just got fetal alcohol syndrome or whatever. You know, I don't know if it's like bedroom eyes or she's just, she's, you know, she's just retarded. I don't know what the thing is with her. But, you know... Um, I, I, I do think the FAS is a possibility, and yes, she's a she's a cutie pie. And so the thing is, like, you know, it doesn't mean that every female that you come into contact with is going to be persuaded by your efforts. The question is, <clears throat> what is it that you put out? You know, what is the what is the image that you create of yourself, right? And so, if the image that you create of yourself is, I hate women, <laughs> I can't like that's going to have a. It, the women who are attracted to that are damaged women. They're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm a worthless piece of garbage, and I deserve to be with a man who hates me. Like, that's the type of women that want to be around that guy, you know? And so, you know— no, you, I, I, I agree. That has been the, that, that has been the um, downfall of America first. I mean, it sucks because there were a lot of good personalities in that movement, but they just let themselves get engulfed by that um, really childish— um, 
that hyper over misogynistic crap. Like I, I get it. Western women are not in a good place, but it's just like enough. Enough. Like what are you? Oh, and here's like, here's my thing about it too. No, so like, yeah. do, do the men of our society think that they have any responsibility for what's going on with the women? Okay. So one of the things that I thought was actually a pretty interesting exchange not so long ago happened on Telegram. That some some subversive idiot came in and said some meme that I posted was like making out women to be incubators. And I'm like, I tried to respond reasonably to this. And I said, oh, I don't think it does that. But I understand why you feel that way, because I've seen a lot of that happen before. And, you know, and she says something to the effect of, you know, women are doing these things because that's the incentives that men are creating for them. And I responded thoughtfully. And I said to her, I'm like, you know what? That's totally true. I've encouraged a lot of really bad behavior in young women, and I feel really bad about it because I've caused a lot of damage. And that's not just me, like, pandering to this broad. It's definitely true. Like, for years, you know, I'm on, like, you know, dating apps and going to bars and, do, you know, like, oh, what I want, what do I want? What I want is sex. What do you, what is all this other nonsense about? I want sex. Shut up, you know? And if I create those incentives, then I'm influencing the women that I come into contact with, and then... All of the damage that I do in the course of my sex seeking causes a lot of trouble. And so, like, I yeah. have managed to go out and through the in through pursuit of cummies, <laughs> I've gone and done all this damage. <laughs> and so, is it possible for me to perhaps exert a better influence over the women that I come into contact with? As a matter of fact, I think I probably can. And, I, you right. know, I like to think that being in the position that I'm in, I'm in a greater position to do that than people who have a public platform or whatever, sure. But of course, I didn't have a public platform when I was encouraging women towards to behave like whores. And I still managed to influence lots of lives that way. So like, you know, I think that if we're if we if we go out and we say to women, like, you know, oh, here's what I want is I actually I want to respect you and I want to think of you as more important than a man. I want to think of you as like worthy of my protection. I want to think of you as like a uh, 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 a a revered you know position in society i want to think of you as the higher elevated thing like you're not stained with all the the evil and ugliness of masculinity and uh i like that about you and i just want to protect you you know and and framing things that way and and being like you know talking to women as as a, I don't want to say revered object, but like a revered status. You know what I'm saying? Like that—that that seems to me to be like a thing we're doing. And, and if they—and if they disgrace their position, then I'll, go ahead, critique the behavior. Like we had a guy call in here and saying, like, yeah. "Oh, you know, the, these women are tatted up. They look like a highway underpass, or whatever." And that's kind of like a—you know—it's a fine, vivid illustration. But like, okay, fine. So if a woman is tatted up and looks like a highway underpass, then maybe you don't marry her. Like, don't sleep with that woman. Not, right, you right. know, sure, right. dude. Don't don't sleep with her. But like. If she's, I mean, I've, I've, if she's not, then the don't tell her that it. she is, because then that's what she'll be, right? Like, you have influence, then wield it, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. Um, not not to not to shift gears too much, but I, I do want to bring up the main reason I called in, because the, um, the L comment was a little bit in jest. But this, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hyped about this ban the ADL um, yeah. hashtag that's been going on i just wanted to mainly get your thoughts on it because i mean the adl i mean they're they're a perfect example of one of the shadow powers that be i mean nobody would know that they exist um unless you paid 
specific attention to their spheres of influence and the censorship that they drive. I mean, they prevented, I believe they prevented, um, uh, uh, um, I, I forget, he, he's a boomer cartoonist, um, Garrison, yeah, Ben Garrison, from even coming to the White House back in the Trump administration. Okay, and the, the, I mean, the, the, it, I don't think it was Trump's decision, but they made some calls to the White House. They're per, a perfect example of the shadow powers that be, but because they don't make themselves, they're, they're not celebrities outside of their specific circles, but you make, they make a couple of phone calls. And, I mean, if you're high status, they can, um, you know, they, they can end you. They can, uh, <laughs> they, they, it's over. So, I mean, I, Wanted to get your thoughts on maybe where this is going. Could, do you, you think Elon might actually go through with at least trying to throttle them or something like that? I'm, I'm not super um, optimistic about this uh, CEO that he um, picked, but um, I think it's a big step in the right direction that so much uh, so much negative press has um, been brought to them. Well, I don't think that Elon Musk is going to do anything negative to the to the ADL, I mean, he said he was going to sue them. That's kind of funny, you know. But something tells me that's not going to go very far. He said he was going to sue them for defamation, which is hilarious, right? So, you know, I think that the best that you can hope for with these people is to shatter their narratives, right? And so, like, you know, if you could shatter their narratives, it's almost like worse than putting them in prison. You know what I mean? Because that's what they – everything yeah, about yeah. these people – like I was saying earlier that, like, the reason that the left has power is because everybody – even if they disagree with them, they assume that they mean well, okay? As soon as you understand that they're malicious, yeah. then they don't have any power left. Nobody, yeah. the bad guys always lose, all right? The bad guys really do always lose. As But the thing is that some people, some, some, sometimes people are wrong about who the bad guy is, okay? That's the, that's the thing. But the yeah. bad guy will always, <laughs> yeah. 100% yeah. of the time, the bad guy will always lose, okay? And so, like, you know, once they understand that they're the bad guy, then, like, the, the contest is over. You don't, it doesn't, like... All the other stuff doesn't matter, okay? So, like, if people understand that they're the bad guy and they're not banned from Twitter, fine. Go be the bad guy on Twitter. I've done that, and it got me nowhere, okay? You want to you have the, the ADL have all the power of Chris Cantwell in 2017? Fine. I don't care. You know what I mean? As long as people understand that they're the bad guy, then that's good. And so, ban the ADL was trending on Twitter. And, like, of course, the usual suspects in the press are like, the ADL is a civil rights organization, and Elon Musk is peddling an anti-Semitism by suggesting that they might have done something untoward once upon a time, right? So, and that discredits the ADL, it discredits the stupid idiots in the press and everything. It's great. It's wonderful. And so the, t the hashtag is great. I was doing it. I was, tr I was tweeting out excerpts of a book published in Germany in 1925, and I was, I was replacing the, uh, I was replacing the, um, the, the antagonist of the book with the ADL, and so it was very, it was, I had a lot of fun doing this, and uh, you know, and so, and so you know, I had a lot of fun with it, and I think that when once you see that right like once people see that they're like oh why would we ban the adl from twitter and then they look at it and they're like oh everybody says that the adl is a bunch of scumbags and by the way i happen to know from my own experience that political correctness is a bunch of is really out of control and these people are a bunch of race hucksters as it turns out and so once people understand that the adl yeah. is a bunch of race yeah. hucksters and that they run around lying about people well like you don't need you don't need people to believe that you, you don't need to convince people that 
that Jonathan Greenblatt is driven to deception by his ethnicity, all you have to all they have yeah. to know is that Jonathan Greenblatt's not a good guy. And then once they understand that, then Jonathan Greenblatt loses. They, they'll replace him with somebody else. They'll shuffle things. Or you know, Zelensky's cabinet. They're like, oh, we're not stealing from you. We're getting rid of all the thieves right now. Give us the money. Right? You know, they'll do the same thing at the yeah. ADL. Yeah. <clears throat> you yeah. know, but like, you know, once you, you do that a few times and the nonsense keeps going, then eventually people lose faith in what you're doing and it's over. You know? And I think that that's happening. That's happening to the left more broadly. And so... Like my 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 conception of politics generally and the and the ADL just falls right into it is that once people understand that leftism is not misguided well-intentioned activity it's malicious and destructive everything else just falls into place like I don't actually I I don't I'm not that concerned about the <clears throat> you know the particular structure of the program that replaces modernity okay let's just break the idea that leftism is well-intentioned and everything else will just fall into place because the bad guy always loses and that's what's happening that's what's happening to the adl and you know whether they're not going to get banned from twitter because they still have power you know and so like but by the time by the time you can ban them right like by the time but by the time elon musk could get away with banning the adl he wouldn't have to because they wouldn't have any power they, they yeah they wouldn't matter yeah yeah they're 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 saying things would be so insignificant that um, it, that that nobody with two brain cells would even believe them, and 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 that's who they cater to. Uh, as I was saying before, they don't speak to the masses. They specifically make phone calls um, to such and such as agents or manager, and 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 say this has to stop but all those people um of higher intellect of of, of actually being able to discern this won't listen to them yeah yeah that's, you think that's, about that's, this that's right so point, like people yeah. people are afraid to get caught listening to the radical agenda or sending me money right and so like imagine yeah. if the adl was in that same position <laughs> okay so like the adl is like hello um yes um uh suffolk county police department we'd like to come and train you on extremism and they're like if anybody finds out we're talking to you like we're gonna get in a lot of trouble (laughs) no get away from me like that would be discrediting right so like that's all like that's all that needs to happen you know what i'm saying so like and then and then once we yeah. do that then you don't want to ban them from Twitter okay that's that's what you want is that the discredited people you think about this you look at Jonathan Greenblatt talk and you're like wow what a contemptible scumbag because you're not stuck in the matrix of they're the good guys okay and so once other yeah. people are yeah. not stuck in the once other people are not stuck in that matrix like let them see as much Jonathan Greenblatt as possible be like hey Jonathan Greenblatt i heard you've been deplatformed from Twitter can i can I can I can I like um, uh, syndicate your your podcast on my website? Because I would love for people to hear your voice more often. Because they'll hate it and they'll they'll get really mad. You know what I'm saying? And so like, you know, that's that's my view of it. And it's not because you know, as as I'm, uh, you probably know, it's not because I'm like a free speech advocate. It's nothing like that. I, you know, I'd love it if they banned them from Twitter. I mean, just just to see it happen would be awesome. But, you no, know, same. You know, but like same, once same. once once you can ban from from Twitter, it means that people understand that they're the bad guys. And once they once everybody understands that, it's it, the rest of it is kind of inconsequential in my view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as contemptible as I find um, the Daily Stormer and Andrew Anglin at this point, he used to do this really funny bit for several of his articles where. Um, he would basically say, like, he would basically be in his articles at the end communicating with Greenblatt 
And and Greenblatt would say, "Thank you for bringing this to my attention, Mr. Anglin. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not con- <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced um, that Anglin was a Fed. And I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But it, 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 the biggest evidence I have against it because these people aren't funny. They're not interesting. Anglin's actually a riot. Like yeah. again, he I'm not a fan. He he's he, he 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 writes stuff that that has made me laugh like a special child in public as I read it on my phone. Oh yeah, so. there's no doubt about it. The guy's funny. The guy's talented. You know, and and I think he's got talented people working there. You know, he he denied to me that he has ghostwriters, but like one of the things that makes me suspicious, as a matter of fact, like it was it was told to me that he had ghostwriters writing in his name, and I had credible information mm-hmm. to support that. Including the fact that he was, there was a period of time when Andrew Anglin was like publishing five articles a day. Now, I'm a writer. I understand what goes into writing these things. And so, like, yeah, a period yeah. of time, like, his proliferation of articles was conspicuous. He's like, I would never have a ghostwriter. He swore that to me in private. And I was like, oh, you're a liar. You know, and so, you know, I don't yeah. know. I'm not saying the guy's a fed. Like, I mean, you know, he could be a bad actor for any number of different reasons. You know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, you know, the idea that he's like employed by the federal government of the united states is not something that that i'm asserting you know but you know yeah. you know weave i literally think weave is working for the ukrainian intelligence service that's literally what i think about weave i think weave works for the sbu i, I literally believe that you know what is anglin's you know hang the, up the, if, is he just responding to monetary the, incentives the, i don't know the, the the fact the the thing is with weave and i actually didn't put two and two together until you mentioned it again earlier this year on the podcast, but he hacked AT&T, and what he began, I think 18 months or something like that, that's an extremely light sentence. And I looked into what he did. It was pretty harmless. It sounds like he was just really trying to do some hacker experiment, because that's, that's how a lot of programmers and hackers think. Um, but the fact that he got 18 months, and to, to clarify, I just, I, that, I'm sorry, you, you, you misunderstand the situation, and I just want to correct what you're saying. My understanding is we were sentenced to 41 months in prison. He was let out in a shorter okay. period of time because his conviction was overturned, I think, in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. His conviction was overturned on appeal in any case. And subsequent to that, he was okay. released from prison because the conviction was overturned. It wasn't that he was sentenced to a light sentence. The thing is, the, the the hackers who do that kind of thing to a mega corporation, it is a tendency that and and, and because I I have known these people, I mean, I'm not I'm, I can't say it for certainty with Weave, I I, I don't have any solid evidence, but I have known people who do these sorts of things with, to and around mega corporations, and they basically cut a deal with the Fed. They say, okay, so we'll either sentence you to prison for the rest of your life or you can work with us doing this, 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 and that. And even the even the dumbest federal um, agent understands like this. This is an asset. He is a he's a talented cybersecurity um, guy. He's a talented hacker. He's a talented programmer. Let's put him to use, and he'll take the he'll he'll take it in exchange for at least most of his freedom. So that again, not I don't have anything to confirm or assert that, but that is a that's a pattern um, that I've seen very often with uh, people who who do that sort of thing. Um, they'll 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 try to throw business fraud at them. They'll try to again, it's 
Did I lose you? Well, they can, they can, oh, they can do anything. Um, it, it, no, it yeah. seems like your audio dropped out for a second, but we got you back. Um, and so, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap the show up and I will, uh, I'll respond to you after I let you go. Thank you very much for the call, my friend. Take care, Chris. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, and so, you know, my, my understanding of it, just so we're, we're clear on it. And I, you know, all I know is what I read online. Okay. Is that he was convicted. He was sentenced to 41 months and he got his conviction overturned. I think it's plausible what he says about his motives after that, which is he was really mad, okay? We've says that he's basically waging a war against the government of the United States. That's what he says on his live journal. And he's been saying that ever since he got out. Like, he was like, he sent the government a letter and was like, uh, I want you to pay me for all of this nonsense you put me through. And uh, I, I intend to collect on this. Now, he had, there's no way that the government's going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, Mr. Arnheimer, here's your check, right? What he's doing is he's, he's basically he's making a declaration of war, and then he goes to a foreign country <laughs> and does exactly that is what I think happened. You know, he goes to prison, he gets out, he leaves the country, he goes to a foreign country, and he goes to work for their intelligence agency after getting out of prison for computing hacking. And then he wages war against the country. And then and and that's working out spectacularly because the country that he went to happens to be destroying the United States. And it's it's a country called Ukraine. So we got I'm gonna give you uh you guys got a call in earlier, okay? But go ahead, friend. You're on the you're on the surreal politics. What's up? Hey, how are you? Um, Hello, so I was in chat just kind of lurking a little bit and um you guys got on the topic kind of of the issue with uh, Western women and dating and kind of the problems that we're seeing in America with women right now. Yeah. Um, I was just curious if you'd kind of be interested on like a little bit of more of a female perspective. Why would I be interested in a female perspective? Shut up. No, I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> Please. Um, yes. Well, no. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what you played to. Uh, no, <laughs> I, people like, oh, I try not to. This, I try you know? not to play to that anymore. You know, I kind of like. You know, I re- yeah. I regret even you know I don't regret it as much as my youthful indiscretions in sex seeking, but you know a lot of my you know my overreaction to anti my overreaction to feminism is one of my more regrettable mistakes, and so I'm happy to have your no, assistance I mean, in correcting that's, that's, it. That's completely yeah, it's completely understandable. And like I said, so for just a little bit of context, um, I was born in the '80s. And I spent most of my teenage years in the 90s growing up, and this was before cell phones and computers and things like that. And so, um, you know, being a young woman in the 80s, the problem seems to have escalated. Uh, it, I mean, it, it started, it seems like it started even before, I mean, decades before most of us were born. Um, but with today's day, with you see the, the incel movement and MGTOW and the radical feminism movements and things like that, I've seen it progressively worse. Uh, especially with media, you know, with like movies and TVs and ads and stuff like that. Um, you're constantly being exposed to articles in, you know, Time magazine that says, oh, live the childless life. And uh, even in schools, you notice a lot of times that they start the indoctrination with women early, um, not even with like movies and stuff like that, but even in schools. And you have places like Disney that teach you at a very young age, like the Cinderella complex, for instance, that's a really big one. Um, you have women being told from a very, very young age that to have very high expectations. You have a lot of movies and cartoons that never really portray like a father figure. So when people say, oh, you know, she has daddy issues. Well, 
that's something that you're kind of exposed to in media as it's kind of, it seems like it's trying to be normalized, like not to have a father figure, um, you know, and especially now when you start to grow up and you start to get uh, very impressionable, you see things on TV such as like uh, race mixing is a really big thing and going childless life. And they tell women, you can be strong, you can be independent, you don't need a man uh, they tell you all of these things. You can have a great career. You can go to college. You can be anything you want to be. But they never factor in the most important job is to be a woman. You know, be a woman, be a strong woman. Yes, you can be all that, but you also need to be a mother. A mother is incredibly important because you are the generation that's going to influence the next generation of women to grow up. And, you know, raising children is the most important thing. And so a lot of times, you know, they push, uh, like the feminism movement, they they push the anti-men thing, like men are evil, men are toxic, and that's really harmful, um, you know, and I see a lot of young men this day and age that are having problems, and they're giving up in the dating world, and you see these movements like incel and MGTOW. Now, MGTOW, it seems like it's kind of more on the basis of, like, men being screwed over in the justice system, so, like, when a woman, you know, women decide to leave their man, usually the courts will side with them and they'll get money, they'll get the children, the men are left completely just obliterated. Um, but even with the younger men, you see a lot of times, sorry, you see a lot of times with younger men, uh, like the incel movement, I've tried to look into that, and it's mostly just because women's standards nowadays are very unfair. They, uh, they have these really, really high expectations, and they're told to have either high expectations for what they want in a man, like, I'm not going to date a man who's over six foot tall. I'm not going to date a man who's not making $250,000 a year. Or um, you have women that are being told, like, for instance, Twitch, um, you know, that, like, going and just basically just being whores, like people say, you know, just doing OnlyFans and making all this money. Um, it's just it's really, really horrible that I've seen just the degradation of women just being pushed down into... I mean, degeneracy, absolute degeneracy, and I, I don't know, you know, I, I feel really bad for people, the younger men who are dating right now, because it doesn't seem like they can really find anybody just normal that's just willing to date and willing to just be a mother and be a wife, and, you know, everything is just pushed to just basically riding it until you hit the wall at 30, and then finding somebody under wrong circumstances and, you know, having children to fix broken marriages, cheating, I mean open marriages, all these terrible things that are being pushed. And so um, I think a lot of that is a huge problem. And like I said, I think the root causes of it is a lot of like just indoctrination from media, especially I notice uh, magazines, TV, and even music, the music industry. You look at people like Lizzo, you know, and Beyonce and all these crazy, you know, horrible, horrible degenerate women with degenerate lyrics that are telling women, you know, especially 13, 14-year-olds on TikTok, hey, you know, be insane, you know, be whores. It's just, um, I mean, you know, you know I, let, I let me just respond to some of what you say there. With, with my, you know, yeah. my experience is not to be a uh, a very young man in this year, but I can say that, like, I don't think that all this stuff, you know, started yesterday. And so, you know, I, I, oh, no, my, my, not. my, you know, my, my impression of it is actually that <clears throat> I, I actually don't. And there's a there's a way to think of this as a misogynist thing. So I I hope it doesn't come across necessarily this way. But like I think men have more control over this than oh, no. than they pretend to. Okay, like that's a part of my problem with the whole MGTOW thing. 
So my experience with women is sort of when I was a young man, I was on the football team and I was on the wrestling team and I was playing sports and I was, you know, you know, semi cool or whatever. And girls wanted to date me. And I was like, yeah, well, I just want sex. Okay. And like, and so I was turning these or I date the women and then I break up with them and they'd be heartbroken about it. And so like, you know, maybe it's different now. I, I, I guess maybe it, it, it's certainly different. I don't know how different it is. But then there was a period of time when, like, after I got out of school and, I don't know, I started drinking all the time and I sort of was, like, not in as good physical shape. And, like, you know, I, I uh, shall we say, you know, I had to obtain women's affections in, in other ways, right? Like, I had to be in more intimate social situations so I could talk to them. They weren't, like coming to me on account of my looks say and so and then i i decided that i was going to lose a bunch of weight and then i was going to start lifting weights and get into better shape and then all of a sudden i had better luck with women again you know and so you know i i'm i'm under the impression that a lot of these things you know you guys talk about incel movement like well that's involuntarily celibate is what that means like you're you're aspiring to be undesirable like what the hell are you doing you know what i'm saying and so my impression of it (laughs) is actually that I think that a lot of the things, maybe I'm wrong about this, you know, but it doesn't seem to me that this is all women are just so broken that they they can't be approached. It's that men are giving up on women like they are with everything else. And if they do that, then like what the hell did you think was going to happen? You lose 100 percent of the shots that you don't take, like, you know, go exercise and be desirable and try to make some money. And if you do that, then women want to women will want to sleep with you. And if you give them orgasms then they'll fall in love and then they'll do what, what you need them to do is my my kind of impression about it. And I'm sorry if that comes across as overly simplistic. I'm not saying that women are, you know, silly animals oh, no, that are led no, around no. by the clitoris. But like, you know, if you it, like these seem to be like incentives that are achievable and that that people if they if they choose not to pursue them then you can't be surprised when the outcome is 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 the expected yeah i mean um if a man is like you know what i'm gonna do if a man is like i'm gonna strive to be very good and i'm gonna strive to be a good man to you and i'm going to strive to you know make you happy and provide for you or or they're gonna be like yeah whatever you know like you know or they're going to be like yeah we you want to come over and like watch netflix and and have sex for 30 seconds like no wonder they're like no you know what i think i'm going to do is i'm going to go take my clothes off on OnlyFans, and then they're going to pay me a bunch of money right like one of those things you, yeah. like you have to make a more appealing offer than than being a, a cam whore and if you can make a more appealing offer i i i don't think that white women in 2023 are incapable of responding to that incentive Oh, no, not at all. I mean, um, you know, that that's one of the things that's the downfall of uh, a lot of women, too, is the appeal of OnlyFans and things like that. Like, they can, you know, they're already told that men are pieces of shit or, you know, you have uh, women who are in, like, like fours and fives and sixes that want to date only 10, 10 chads when in the reality is most men don't fit, you know, those insane standards or... Yeah, so, and with men, you know, they, a lot of the incel movement, it seems like they kind of tend to give up a little bit as well, too. Some of it is just, oh, I'm going to give up, or some people, you know, they say, go make sure and work out and do all these things to appeal to women, get a good job, all these other things, um, which I understand that part of it, but a lot of it, too, is women have, are told 
they're put on a pedestal, first of all, and then you have men who will, like, sleep with the first woman that they find, and then they'll just, you know, be treated like a doormat and pieces, like, treated like shit because they think that they can't do any better. Um, <laughs> you have that a lot of times, too. But, you know, if, honestly, if you would, if men, you would like, join me in trying to, if men, you would, if you would join me in trying mm-hmm. to not use profanity on the Monday show, I'd appreciate it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so it's okay. Sorry. It's all right. Um, but, uh, a lot of younger men, you know, if I could give advice to a lot of what I see going on in, like, dating apps and things like that, um, you know, looks aren't everything. They really aren't. And a lot of women are unfortunately broken because you have these rabid movements like the toxic white male, you know, the anti-white, the feminism, all these things. But a lot of women still are very attracted to men if they're just confident and if they can make them laugh and if they can treat them well and stuff like that. But a lot of women, unfortunately, don't want that right now. They're especially younger women, too. I mean, we don't really, I don't think we emotionally even even out until we're about 35, which, you know, miss women are like, oh, no, I'm going to turn 30. i got to get a ring on my finger, you know, after they've had a bunch of fun in their 20s and slept around and stuff like that. And most men don't want that. Most men want more of a traditional woman who, you know, is just looking for a relationship, is going to be a mother, she can work if she wants. She can stay home if she wants. Stuff like that. Would you? Um, would you mind? Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to expose too much personal information about you. Could you give me an idea of how old you are? Yeah, I'm 42. Okay, you're 42. So you're, you're my age. Um, yeah. And so you know, are you? Is what you're describing about the the state of young women now? I mean, is. Yeah. What is your do you, do you have um, young women in your life that you're seeing this? You reading about this? Is what was your conception of this come from? I mean, honestly, just from seeing being a teenager in the '90s and being around friends and being remembering what how women acted like in school. Um, you know, not wearing revealing clothing, not really like sleeping around with people. Like, you know, if you slept with anybody below the age of, like, 17, people would just shun you and be like, wow, you know, she's kind of, eh. Um, and then seeing kind of the progressiveness of what that changed into through, like, the 2000s. and the 2000s, I was going to college and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, a lot of that started kind of, I guess, maybe, like, 2006 is where it started getting more to the point where women were kind of dressing a little more prerogatively, or, yeah, prerogatively, um, you know, and then I started seeing movies that were kind of more pushing a little more degeneracy, like the whole, oh, you know, women are very strong and women don't need men. And um, the articles that started coming out that were saying like, oh, you women, you know, you can just have open relationships and it's okay to sleep around with a lot of men. Don't let anybody SLUT shame you. Um, you know, you started seeing that progressively more and more and it started turning away from more women being traditional and just kind of leaving a more wholesome life into women just be absolutely insane, listen to degenerate music. Um, so that's kind of just more of like my personal perspective on what I've seen. Yeah, and, I appreciate that. You, you know, know like it's just it, my, like my experience has been, you know, like as I was seeking women who had, say, loose sexual morals, like it didn't come naturally to them. It was it was it bordered. You know, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I, I hate to say this. Somebody could take this out of context. But it was like bordered on coercive. It was like emotionally, you know, it was emotional bullying. It was like, you know, like I, I want what I want. And, you know, you, you are okay. you have you have affection for me. And, you know, this is the way that you get it sort of thing. And like, you know. And and I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it has changed. I don't know. You know. I guess. And my and my and my experience 
dating later in life is obviously influenced by the fact that the the women I'm I'm dating have now you know had the you know they've had those experiences or whatever and they're they're per, you know perhaps yeah. not so enthusiastic about dying alone and so it's a little bit different now. Um, yeah, I mean they they have the fun and then all of a sudden they hit thirty and they're like, oh no, I got to hurry up and. But marry it was my whole my life, like I, 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 I don't go find a man. I, I don't think that all this stuff actually comes so naturally to it. Like I I I have trouble believing. Not it, you no. know, I, I think I think that they have to. I think that if they're given a, if they're given the choice of like, hey, you know, I'm like a reasonably attractive man who's who's going to treat you good. I, my my conception of it is that that most women actually are responsive to that. I I. I I have not been. I, I want to say I've never been dumped by a woman before. I'm sure it's happened, but I, you know, it it, it is. Yeah. It was not my common experience that women are like, yeah, I'm going to go move on now to this other guy because I just need more. I just need more penises. Like I've never, I've never known that to be the case. I mean, I've hear about this in like you know culture references, but you know, it, it seems to me that yeah. it seems to me that it isn't usual. And so I hope that um, I hope I'm I'm hope I'm right and. I'm I'm frequently wrong, so you know there's a distinct possibility. But yeah. you know, I think that I, I hope that. Oh, yeah. And and by the way, whether I'm right or wrong, you know, you talk about the incel thing. Like the incel thing is a movement, right? It's it's people who are aspiring That's to be undesirable, yeah. and so like you know, like if you like you don't get you, like you don't get to go complain about the desires of women if you're going out of your way to to be undesirable to them. You know, like you know. My relationships with women have have consisted of like, you know, okay, there's a period of time where I'm trying to get your attention. And then after I have it, then like, oh, you know, now now there now I have some power in the relationship. Right. Because you don't want that to stop, you know. And so, like, if guys are like, well, you know, I'm not going to make any effort to get your attention. And then they're and then they're just like, okay, well, you know, women don't want me. And I'm like, no, no, no. As a matter of fact women are waiting on you to go figure it out you know and and you're aspiring not to do that because you're being led around by idiots who teach you bad things you know that's my conception of it and and maybe i'm a simp i don't know well i mean yeah you so there there are instances where the incel movement like i said i'm sure there are instances where you know men just are like oh i'm gonna be a whatever and not try um, there are a lot of women, though, like I said, with the movement that are just completely terrible. And so men try to get into the dating world and they just have terrible luck. And I wouldn't suggest anyone ever, 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 ever use dating apps. Those are the most horrible, destructive things to the dating world ever. And I know in this day and age where we just have technological everything, it is very hard to meet people organically. Like you can't go out to parties and meet people anymore. You can't really... I would never suggest anyone go to a bar and that's terrible. Like you don't want to start a foundation of a relationship on like a bar five potentially. Um, but you know, the instances like going back to what you were saying about women, you sound like you've had fairly better luck with dating women who aren't completely terrible. Um, it does happen a lot though. There's actually a channel if you're interested about some of the more crazier stories, what happens with men and kind of gives you a little bit more perspective on like the in, like what happens with incels and what happens with like the MGTOW movement especially. Um, his name is Strong Successful Male on YouTube, and I started watching him because I was just very curious about you know some of the things that goes on and some of the stories that he tells with people that write in about their stories. I mean, they're absolutely horrible. They're just nightmare fuel. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, I sit there and watch this, and I'm like, dear God, these poor guys. You know, they're just. And a lot of times, statistically, it is the women who decide to drop their relationship or end the marriage 
Um, so, you know, the justice system, as we know, is completely flawed as it is. And when you go into family courts, generally it's always the women who wins out. So if, you know, you have a lot of money, they usually get the kids, they usually get the house, they usually take half your money. And then with child support and all things like that, usually men are left in like a one-bedroom apartment paying everything, just making enough money to pay for rent and a little bit of food, and they become completely miserable. And then, you know, especially if they have a bad experience afterwards, they're just like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never getting married. I'm not dating. I'm just going to go and sleep around. And so, you know, it just kind of loops back into that bad thing where, you know, they're not going to get back on the horse and find somebody decent and find a good relationship. They're just going to end, like, I'm just going to end it. I'm never going to try again. Um, so, you know, those people as well feel really bad for it too. Um you know, and I, I think, I thank God that I found somebody, you know, really normal like my husband. You know, we're, we're both broken. <laughs> we're, we, we're pretty broken when we met um, back in 2008. But, you know, just good communication. We had to kind of work through those flaws and things like that. So I consider myself really lucky on that. And even with myself, um, you know, I, I dated a lot, but I just didn't find anybody really who was, you know, a lot of the men cheated on me. You know, that was just the thing back then. Like, a lot of them cheated on me, and I finally found somebody who was like, oh, wow, I can have a relationship with, I can have children, things like that. I can start a life. But, um, you know, a lot of people end up having children in a broken marriage thinking it will fix things, and it doesn't. And I, I feel bad for people like that in that situation, too, because it's not only you that's being affected, but it's just children. You know, they might be in a loveless marriage. Um, you know, the child is already going to have an image of mom and dad don't get along, you know, they're not the EVS, they have shared custody. It's just, it's just a terrible situation, and that seems to be a big thing, too. You know, if, if it's a relationship that's broken, that's fine, end it. But when children are involved, I mean, that, that's just even more sad, too. And then you have them growing up having a distorted image of what a normal relationship should be like, and then it just continues that cycle. So it's it just doesn't seem like there's a really good fix. You know, you have children at a young age just being, and even men too, you know, I'm not saying that men are completely out of the waters with this as well. You know, you have a lot of men who are, if, if, you know, they're tall, they're fairly attractive, they don't want to settle down because they see all of these women who have these really high standards and they'll pretend to be with these women, This, you know, they'll sleep with them, you know, they'll lead them along and stuff like that, but they're never really truly going to settle down. So, you know, you have women who get very emotionally attached easily um, and then you have men who are, you know, they're they're driven, like women have emotional and men have physical needs. And unfortunately, most women don't understand that. I do. You know, so when you look at like, oh, they're looking at too much pornography and they're looking at other women and stuff like that, that's what drives women or that's what drives men. You know, your instinct, your natural instinct is to produce children and spread the seed all over the place. It's not because you want to cheat. It's just how you're ingrained. And women, when they sleep with a man, they can emotionally attach because they have that motherly instinct. So um, I think modern-day society kind of teaches us to somewhat override our natural instincts or have different layers to it. So it becomes very complicated very easily. But, um, yeah, I just... I, well, I just... So bad for the future, you know. You know, I, I um I think it's uh it's a powerful critique of what's going on. Um I uh mm -hmm. we're not gonna figure it out tonight because it's uh it's eleven forty two. I usually end at eleven thirty. But I appreciate you calling in, even if it was at the last minute. And um I'll say a couple of oh, words yeah. I'll say a couple of words about what you've said as I close the thing out, but I'm gonna let you go and I thank you very much and I hope that you call in and um and we talk about this some more and we'll we'll get it to, we'll get it all straightened out before uh before stage two, okay? Yeah. All right, dear. Thank oh, yeah, you. absolutely. And like I said, I appreciate you letting me call in and kind of just give a little bit of a female opinion to, because, 
you know, most men don't really understand what's going on. And, you know, somebody who's kind of older that's seen the progression of it, it's worse and worse. It's, it's, it's trying, you know, you try to be positive about the future, but you know, yeah, definitely fixing the problems is something we have to do. You have to find the root cause. Well, we, we do. And I, you know, I, um, and, uh, listen after I hang up the phone and, uh, call me next time. Okay. I'll talk to you very soon, dear. Thank you very much for the call. All right. Um, you know, again, you know, as I said to the, the gal there, and I'll be interested to hear from you all in the future about the subject. I mean, I, you know, maybe it's like, you know, it's a philo- it's a philosophical thing for me that, you know, I'm responsible for everything. And, and, you know, I think that that's a better way to look at things than, than any other, regardless of the facts say. And so, you know, that's part of the reason I drive myself crazy is because <laughs> I, I feel that I am responsible for, you know, all of my dis, dissatisfactions, and they are legion, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm really unhappy, and I think it's all my fault. And so, you know, if you think about things that way and you stop blaming other people for it, you know, blaming other people is loser think, okay? And it, to, to the extent that other people are can actually be, you know, blamed for your problems, I think that the thing to do is to figure out how you overcome those interferences, you know? And just like I said, you know, my experience with women has been, you know, when I was younger, you know, like women wanted to, women wanted to date me. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I just didn't think that sex was that big of a deal. I thought it was like a normal thing that I would go and like, yeah, well, I'm going to, you know, try to like, you know, get off with you in a staircase somewhere. And, and then I'm going to go try to find another girl. Like, you know, if I didn't, I had that stupid idea in my head and I caused so much damage, you know, and so, you know, the fact that I was punished for that, you know, later in life makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, I feel really bad for a lot of the women that I did. Like, I've, I I think that I could, I could, I, I haven't dated enough women to take responsibility for the entire damn culture, but I certainly participated in like, you know, making these women think differently about sex and making it, you know, a painful negative experience and that, you know, they get emotionally attached to me. And then I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Like, of course I'm going to screw your best friend. She's hot. And so like, then they're like, men are scum and, and sex is, uh, emotionally detached. And, you know, if they learn that lesson from me, you know, they go bring that to another guy and then I'm responsible for that guy's divorce or something. You know, I, I think about things like that. And that's not a way to make yourself happier to sleep well at night or anything like that. But, you know, if you start thinking like that, you'll be less inclined to do stuff like that in the future, I'll tell you. You'll be a little bit more careful about the damage that you create in the world. And if you aspire to be physically attractive and make money and, you know, and have interesting things to talk about. You know, part of the reason that I've tried to, you know, talk about other things than like Jews or whatever is because like, like, if you go to, if you have like, if you go meet a woman in a social situation, and you're like, did you know that the Jews are ruining society? Like, she's not going to sleep with you, dude. So, like, I don't know. Go, go, like, watch the, go find out what the latest movie is, and go to the movies twice a month or something. You know, like, like understand a pop culture. Turn the pop music station on. Like, know what things are. You know, don't do it all the time, but understand what's happening culture wise. So, like, you could talk to people about other things than politics and race. You know go to the gym, make a couple of bucks, do everything that you have to do to be desirable to a woman. And, and then like, if, if you are desirable to a woman, my experience with them, and it's not, it's, I'm not saying it translates universally, but like if a woman wants you and, and, and then you are with her and you're making her happy in that relationship, she's generally going to be inclined to like 
I, I don't want to say like do what you're told in some like obedient white Sharia sense, but like my experience with women is that if you make them happy, then they're they're inclined to do what you want, and I, and that's not universal. I mean, I've had a very recently I've had some very terrible romantic tragedies, as some of you have been listening to this show for or my other show for a long time. No, you know, it's not that. Uh, it's not that, that, you know, that the damage that we created in our youth is not coming back around to bite us in adulthood. But, like, you know, if I'm entirely honest, the relationship problems that I had immediately preceding, you know, my, my losing Internet access in 2020 were not completely devoid of my own responsibility. You know, the, the choices I made in the women to date and the things that I did in those relationships are not completely disconnected from all the problems that I have. And so, you know, if you, if you, if you blame it on the women— then, like, don't be surprised if you're just upset with women all the time. If you blame it on some other group, then don't be surprised if, like, your entire world focuses on them and you never get anything done. It's a loser thing, okay? You are responsible for the outcome of your life. And, by the way, you're responsible for everybody else's life, too. Just just treat it that way. So, like, you're responsible for you. You're responsible for everybody else. You're a white man. Live up to it. That's your burden. You know, just... You know, come on, just like accept it, whatever. If you're not white, whatever, it's fine. You know, you have responsibilities too. I'm not trying to leave you. Take some responsibility for the outcome here. And if and if and if you take responsibility for the outcome and it's still garbage, you know, go ahead, hate me, whatever. Just be unhappy in a different context. I don't know. But I I get the the incel thing. I'm not gonna say I've not I've never like read an incel book. I don't know what that stupid philosophy behind this is, but like if you if you're like I'm part of a movement called involuntarily celibate, I'm going to make inferences about inferences about that, and and then I'm going to say you're a loser on purpose. Don't complain to me about the outcome of that. Like, of course you're unhappy. You know, go try to be desirable to women. Go and then and then as a consequence of that, guide them in the right direction. I don't know. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, then you're in the exact same boat as you were before you didn't try, but you at least can tell yourself that you're not a loser who didn't bother, you know? And if you didn't bother, then, you know, then I don't know what the hell to tell you, you know? I know exactly what to tell you. You're a loser. And so maybe next time he sends me $3, says, for some acupressure, thank you very much, maybe next time. That's my only super chat. I made $3 tonight, and so I probably deserve that. It's all my fault. And uh, I'll just go to bed and tell myself I suck. Uh, and if you want to tell me that I'm good, then you can send me shekels. Uh, Surrealpolitics.com slash donate. You get my cash app. You get my give, send, go. You get my Bitcoin and stuff like that. And if you go send me some money, then I feel like less of a loser. That'd be nice. And uh, then, you know, then maybe I'll keep on doing this. I mean, I'm not. Then maybe I'll just like, I'll take the hint and I'll be like, people aren't willing to pay for this. You should probably become an incel. And we'll see how that works out for me. And so, if do you pay me, I'll feel better. We'll see you Wednesday for the member show. Those of you who do pay me, thank you for that. Because, you know, you make me feel like less of a loser when you, like, pay to show up and I talk to you. Uh, and then Friday, we'll do the Uncensored production. You don't have to pay for that, but you probably should because it's good. I'm good at my job. And we'll do it all the time, you know, until I give up. Okay? See you soon. Thank you very much. Good night.